Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to the Totally Driven Entertainment Radio Network. In the future, none of you are heroes. You're legends. Get driven. Stay driven. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening and thank you for tuning in to our Thursday night programming of Totally Driven Radio. But why wouldn't you tune into the greatest show heard all around the world? Here we are, we're live, it's Thursday night It's time to get freaking driven, people Totally Driven Radio, we're live, we're back on the air We had a couple weeks off And uh, well-deserved rest uh, we, we can always use a little rest, a little vacation A little recharge time And uh, time enough just to get sick and be sick all week So there you go, so now I'm sick Sicker than usual And uh, full of mucus Coughing Fun, 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 fun to be me But it doesn't matter, because I'm here with you And I'm here with other people as well Well, at least one other person right now The man down south He could be in the Boom Boom Room He could be in uh, Wawa South You you never know But it sounds like he's home, because I hear the dog Let's welcome to the show, my good friend Mr. Jimmy (laughs) Dunetti What's going on, brother? (laughs) First time you heard the dog, huh? Uh, (laughs) I told you the dog barked Hey, What's going on, man? How the hell you been? I'm good. Fresh off. Pecan was down here last week. Oh, really? Yeah. A lot of people. Ooh. A lot of people. I got to meet Peter Capaldi, Doctor Who. Nice. Good for you. Yeah. So, so what, what, did, uh, what did you say to him? Uh... Basically, uh, great job in the, in the seasons that he did, and, and that I'm sorry to see him go. I understand why, but you know, still, I'd like to see another ten seasons out of him. <laughs> I'm sure uh, everybody else was saying to him. So, you know. no. Now, how um, John Barrowman was supposed to be there. John Barrowman was supposed to be there. This was the weekend I was going to get my. Malcolm Merlin for president, hashtag fuck Thea's boys. <laughs> I was going to get it. And, and Merlin and Where'd you go? There you are. Huh? So he ended up, uh, he, I guess he canceled out or something? Yeah, they couldn't. He 
you know, it was like Wednesday that the thing started Thursday. Wow. So he, um, actually, I saw, maybe I saw online, um, like he was doing some type of Broadway thing or something. Yeah. I'm sure it hasn't started yet, but. That's wild. Well, before I ask this question. Uh, about, because I actually have a doctor question uh, for you, Doctor Who question for you, I should say. Um, oh, of course. Here he is coming in late to the party. Oh, but now there it is. is a full party. Let's get him in here. Hey, what's up? The man? one, the only, Mr. Nick fucking Wilkinson. What's going on there, buddy? Yeah, dude, I, I got the times mixed up. For some reason, I thought it was 6 o'clock, but it was 5 o'clock. Yeah, what's up? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The whole time zone thing, huh? It yeah. is, man. So I usually log in, and Facebook always sends, like, an alert that says, your show starts in one hour. And then I looked at mine, and it was like, Bay Ragney went live 13 minutes ago saying that the show starts in 10 minutes. I was like, shit. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm late. Oops. Late, late. <coughs> well, so what's uh, up? Janetti was actually just telling us about that he was at a convention last weekend that uh, he got to meet Peter Capaldi. So I wanted to ask him, and, and uh, you know, the big Doctor Who news is the new Doctor Who for the next season or whatever it will be will be a female Doctor Who, and I, I'm dying to know what your opinion is on this. Uh, I, there have been plenty of opinions out there, plenty of guys crying. I, I didn't really think they would do it. I thought it was a gimmick, and I still think it's a gimmick to do uh, a female. Uh, that's the only reason they're doing it. It has nothing to do with the story overall. It's, it's you know, let's see what we can do here, you know. Uh, so, yeah, I just th- I think it's a gimmick. I wasn't real happy with the casting, and people said, oh, it's just a female. You don't want a female. Die. No, it has nothing to do with that. You know what? You know who would have been brilliant? Kelly Atwell would have been brilliant. Absolutely brilliant as a female doctor. Yeah, I said the same thing about Haley Atwell. I uh, I'm totally with you there, but truthfully, like I, I don't care. I'm out anyway. Like I gave it a chance, and I actually liked Cavaldi, and I think that he gets a bum rap because I don't think the problem was him. I think it was the shitty writing. Yeah, no, I agree with you completely. And and I think, you know, some of the I would have loved to have seen uh Chris Chimble write for him at least for one season. Um, you know, and then go do with whatever they're doing. But I'm just not a fan of Jody Whitaker. I haven't seen her in much, I'll be honest, but I have she's been in Broadchurch all three seasons. Yeah, um, and the thing I keep hearing from people that have seen her in Broadchurch is that they picked the wrong woman from Broadchurch. <laughs> yes. That the other one would have been a way better choice. Now I don't watch it, so I, I can't say, but it seems to be a pretty strong opinion. It is, it is, and I just wasn't happy with her character. Now I, you know, she's she's uh, seems okay. I mean, she seems nice, and I'd love to sit there and say, okay, I'm going to give it a chance, you know, just to see what it is. But it's just I didn't like her in Broadchurch in two seasons. I haven't watched the third season yet. I'm letting it all go before it fucking, you know, I sit down and actually watch it. Um, but, yeah, you know, I just I wasn't happy. The uh, the other girl would have been fine, too, as as a thing. 
as a doctor. But, yeah, I just, not happy about it. But I'll give it a shot. We'll see what happens. Right? Yeah, well, that's all you, I think you really can do. That's your only option that's pretty much given to you. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's – look, the best thing I can hope for and what I said to everybody is if it doesn't work out, boom, here comes Dr. 14. You know? <laughs> so – and I still, I still to this day, and maybe by that time uh, it'll be over, but I still think Sean Pertwee would be – the pick. So. Yeah, I think he, now that they've pretty much ditched the old guys, I, I think he's pretty much a lock for it ever happening. <laughs> yeah. I think, honestly, that they would have. Jenny needs a landline because his phone always craps out. Yeah. There you go. Okay. See, I'm on speaker. I try to go on speaker, and it and it just doesn't work well. So. Is that better? But anyway, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, you're good. you're there. You're good. Yeah. So um. Okay. So let's let me uh run down the show uh for t- for this evening what we got planned um actually I, uh, Kristen I'm waiting to, uh it's going to be a mystery if we're going to get Kristen or not um <laughs> <laughs> she was actually flying out here to the East Coast uh and she said all depending on if her flight was on time or delayed or not <laughs> would matter if she was uh, going to be calling in. She's like, so if I don't call in, that's why don't think I was blowing you off. So, um, so I, I don't know. I haven't heard an update since uh, early this afternoon. Do you, know, so. do you know what she's coming to the East coast for? That I don't know. Now, I don't know if it's, uh, you know, personal because her family's out here or, Business or, or or who knows? You know what I mean. Cool. So hope she'll uh, she'll call in, in a little bit and fill us in. Uh, but otherwise, coming up, we got two guests lined up tonight. We got uh, coming up in the first uh, our first hour of guests at nine p.m. Uh, we got uh, our good friend Mr. Mark Scott from uh, Trickster, the wild and crazy life of the party himself. Mark will be calling in. Uh, I, I freaking love this dude. I mean, he's just uh he's just he's a crazy SOB and uh he's going to be calling in and, and uh filling us in what's been going on in the world of him, the world of Trickster. Uh, I know he's got an EP he's working on, uh, a Christmas EP which is coming out in fa- on the Thanksgiving day, I think as a matter of fact. So um we're going to catch up on all that and um he's got, you know, uh there's a Facebook group dedicated to him and I saw the other day like a lot of uh a lot of his fans, which are like 95% female fans, were all like kind of like saying, hey, like we want a, you know, a pair of drumsticks. Like you like said you're going to give us a pair of drumsticks or whatever. So I said to him, I said, dude, why don't we give away a pair of your drumsticks? I'm like, everybody's like begging for a pair of drumsticks because he wants people to call in and, and uh, he wants his fans to call in and ask questions. So we're going to open the phone lines up to his fans and let them call in and talk to Mark and um, so my suggestion is, uh, put your seatbelt on because it could be a pretty interesting ride we're going to take in the nine o'clock hour. So, um, <laughs> and, and I, I think also too, I know Nick has uh, asked multiple times, like he wants to hear a true rock star story. And I think this is the night that he's really going to get it. I, I you know, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to ask Mark to give us one. 
I think he's the one to give us one. So I, I think, you know, he'll be willing to oblige. So I think this could be the night Nick gets his rock star uh, part of the story. No, and you got to admit, though, it's been a long time coming. I mean, we've had significant rock stars on the show, and I have yet to get a really, like, badass rock star story. Uh, you know, I agree. I, I totally agree. We, 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 we've never, uh, we never truly crossed those tracks, you know? We've, we've treaded lightly. Well, I mean, the closest to thing stuff. to a messed up story we had is that pedo that you had on. The, oh, the who? Oh. oh, it hurts feelings today. So, um, and then coming up in the, in the 10 o'clock hour, we have um, the world's only burlesque magician. Her name is Susie Malone. She's from Australia. She's out. Uh, she's been doing shows like. Where did she like work out of Australia? What's that? Where does she work out of? Like, where's her current like? Uh, I, I'm, Australia, it seems like California or Vegas, or it seems oh, like from what I'm so saying, she does a lot of shows. Yeah, like she's out there doing shows in Vegas and Arizona, in, in your neck of the woods, and. Um, California, and she's got a show coming up this weekend on Saturday night in uh, Sherman Oaks, California, which she wants to give a pair of tickets away. So um, hopefully some uh, California peeps, uh, you know, if they want to go see the, it's called Les Magiques Fantastiques, or Les Magic Fantastic, something like that. I'll have her pronounce it. Because, uh, you know, okay, so if it's stuff. magic, it's probably fantastic, just so you know. <laughs> there you go. See, I, hey, that's why you are the writer, my friend, and I am just here. Not so. <laughs> I am not the writer. <laughs> but anyway, now, she, uh, hey, real she quick, real quick, uh, on the Facebook on the Facebook page, there was a young lady who inquired about the West Coast time of the right. show, and I informed her of that. So yeah, so we will be getting some West Coast folks. I, I, you know, I want to thank you too. Like usually, you, you don't chime in on any of that stuff. You usually just Hang in the back and play Wawa Wah from Florida, and you uh, you yeah. stepped up the plate. I was really proud of you, Mister Janetti. Thank you. Oh, isn't that sweet? That's so sweet. I'm gonna have my Wawa Wah open now. Now see, my iPhone it won't let me reply to any totally driven messages. It says that I have to download a separate app or something for it. Oh, uh, the Pages app. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so right. I didn't I didn't do that because that's ridiculous. I already have Facebook and Messenger as two separate apps. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's insane. But anyway, she did make it. She's here, and uh, I'm guessing she's on the East Coast. Let's welcome her to the show. Kristen Burt. What's up there, Kristen? Hi, how are you? Uh, yeah, I'm good. How are you? Are you East Coast, or, or is that what the word is? I am pretty, I, you know, this is the closest I've probably been to you guys in a really long time. I'm on the road right now. Uh, let me tell you what interchange I'm on. I'm on the 90 East in Ohio. Um, I'm 28 miles away from Erie, Pennsylvania right now. Oh, wow. And I'm headed to Jamestown, New York. Check that out. Now, what's going on there? Jamestown should ring, it, well, Jamestown should ring uh, a bell for someone like Nick who loves TV, who was born in Jamestown. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> famous, super famous female comedian. Ooh. He's like Googling uh, it right now. 
<laughs> no, I can't. Uh, that's not it. Uh, Lucy, isn't it? Yes, yes. Oh, really? So I'm headed to the Lucille Ball Comedy Festival because my husband's Ooh. performing there. Because remember, he's Ricky Ricardo, so he got hired to do a show there for the week. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. So this was, and honestly, people descend upon Jamestown every year that they do this comedy festival. It's kind of like known worldwide. Um, this was the closest, the closest airport I could get into with an affordable flight was Cleveland, Ohio, by the way. Like Buffalo, Erie, Pittsburgh were all at the, by the time, I bought my ticket two months ago, were over $800 to try and get anywhere near Jamestown. Holy cow. Yeah, and Jamestown does have an airport, and it was like twelve hundred dollars from Los Angeles. I was like, forget that, thanks. <laughs> now, now well, what's the price difference to fly to Ohio? I'm sorry. Oh, it was like three hundred round trip to Cleveland. Wow. Um, I'm officially in Pennsylvania now. I just crossed the border. So. Hey, welcome to Pennsylvania. Thank you. It's a big state, but we're in the same state. <laughs> um, but yeah, three hundred dollars round trip from LA versus like six hundred, eight hundred, or twelve hundred dollars. A big difference. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah, and I'm on these like lovely back roads, which you know, it's a lovely interstate, but it's so easy to maneuver. Like, there's no traffic. It's me and a couple trucks every once in a while. I, I'm enjoying this. I have to be honest. <laughs> Hey, I'm actually looking this up right now. I mean, there's a lot of big names at this thing. Oh, huge. Yeah, this is like a big deal. This is not like, oh, it's a comedy fest. I, um, who are the, some of the big names? Because I remember reading them earlier, and now I forget. Uh, Kevin James, Jim Gaffigan. Yes, that was a big one. Yeah. Uh, Lisa Lampanelli. The Kevin James was their big. Yep. Yeah, that's wild. And Kevin was their big, it was their big headliner this week. So, And, of course, Let's talk about Kevin James, actually, because that's a funny story. Uh, you know, they wanted to have Leah Remini back so badly that they killed off his TV wife, and Leah Remini is joining the show. Ah, uh, so is that what was going on? Yeah. And so this was all announced this week at the uh, TCAs, which are going on, Television Critics Association, for, you know, the upcoming fall season. And CBS said, the way, because they're like, how are you going to bring Leah Remini back on? Obviously, she's, you know, uh, especially where she did um, his show before, people want to see the two of them together. They killed off the woman that played his wife on the first season. <laughs> how do you, now I heard about this, how do you make that funny? Uh, good question. I, and I'm, <laughs> I'm actually going to tune in for season two, episode one, just to find out how you make that comedic. Um, because, like, the death of a wife really isn't that funny. <laughs> and the way that they did it, I, I remember interviewing the actress, like, at some red carpet before the show had premiered, and I was like, how exciting. That show's going to run forever. You're going to be so lucky. <laughs> and look at that. She gets killed off after one season. Who gets killed off on a sitcom? Nobody. You know, if you're on a drama like Shonda Rhimes, you know you might get killed off. But you... You don't go on a Kevin James sitcom thinking they're going to kill you off or write you out. Yeah. I, mean, I think though, it would have been funnier time, there, is, there, there is a lot of history, though, if you, if you kind of think comedies of, of you know, yesteryear of, of, that had people dying in them. I mean, James died on Good Times. 
Dan died on Nightcore. Uh, Dan Connor had a heart attack on Roseanne. I could probably list about 20 or so cases where this happened. Not to mention maybe one of the biggest ones. Season one, episode one, Bob Saget was a widower for Full House. I, I mean, mm-hmm. it, there is a history of sort of comedy out of drama there when it comes to sitcom. Yeah. Well, John True. Ritter died in real life, and and that created uh, you know eight simple rules they had to change that whole premise, and they had to address oh, the death. Yeah, of him. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and it, it, it definitely happened. But this one is so like cutthroat. It's like literally, Leah Remini guest starred on one of the you know tail end of the season of season one. Um, and the party must have been on the wall when everyone's like, oh, talking about it. We're just, it's a bad Hollywood tale. Yeah, but I uh, think uh, as somebody who watched the show and as somebody who watched King of Queens, I think it's a bad move. I, I think that Aaron, was it Aaron Hayes? She did. Yeah, Aaron Hayes. She, she did the role that she was hired to do. She was, she's not supposed to be comedy off of Kevin James. She was the straight man. And putting yep. Leah Remini in there is like the last two seasons of King of Queens, and they weren't good seasons. There you go. I, I, see, I almost think, honestly, like Leah Remini, we've talked a lot about her on the show. I think she could carry People paying attention to her. People are... Um, uh, we're losing her. I thought it was me, yeah. Uh, yeah. Kristen, I think we lost you, you there. We lost her. Yeah, I think you lost her. But, uh, now, Nick, do you watch that new Kevin James show, I guess? Yeah. I saw, um, I, I've watched every episode of King of Queens. I didn't watch it when it was on, but I caught it, like, um, on Netflix and binge-watching and stuff. And I watched every episode of Kevin Can Wait. And I actually liked the show, despite the fact that it shares a lot of similarities with King of Queens. You know, the uh, Gary Valentine is on it. Instead of having Lou Ferrigno, they have Boss Rutten, El Huapo. Okay. Uh, on the show, and but they're all you know they're very similar roles. The the funny talking foreign guy. If Jerry Stiller shows up, then we're in trouble. You know, yeah. Patton Oswalt shows up, it's going to yeah. be a problem. Yeah. Okay. So we have Chris. They're just back trying on. to replicate. I'm back, and you know, I was talking and talking, and I'm like, don't you think? And no one answered. And I was like, oh my god, my phone must have died. <laughs> so has yeah. um. Did, now, did that, what was her name? Erin Hayes? Erin Hayes. Did, did, has she, like, anything about this? or? She really hasn't spoken out about it. I mean, and I, you know, at some point, someone, some TV writer is going to, like, sit her down and be like, how did that feel? Crappy? Of course, you know. Um, because, you know, basically they're like, we've got a better replacement for you. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's one of those things that becomes opportunity. You know, Leah was available to do a cameo, and then they realized, oh, my God, that's such better magic than what's happening right. between Aaron and Kevin. And then the network, you know, the producers go to the network, and the network's like, yep, do it. That's what happens. Everyone is replaceable in Hollywood. That's the problem. 
Yeah, I, I think too. Like when that time comes where she gets that interview where she sits down with somebody, I, I hope she's like honest and says, you know what, it was pretty shitty. Yep. And yeah, and what was that phone call like? Did they let you down? Like, did they let you know? Did they make your agent? Um, break the news like so oftentimes they'll hear on twitter now before they even hear in person because that happens quite a bit because someone leaks the news to a reporter and then they throw it out there on twitter and then the poor actor's like are you kidding me that's how i hear that happens a lot more often it, it than is, it should it is interesting though because there's these two scenarios this season where one of the women on the show is being replaced and, and, and we're talking about Kevin Kinway and then also if we look at the Chicago PD show where Sophia Bush has been sort of asked to let go or let go, I find it very interesting that neither of them have come out and really talked about it at all. They're just kind of letting it happen and, uh, you know, not really commenting one way or the other. Whereas, like, the executive producers of each show are coming out and making, you know, different comments every other week. And it's very interesting uh, in sort of the climate that we're in. With NBC's decision moving forward with female directors and female actors, it's, it's very odd. Well, and I think that, and I have a feeling that this is probably a PR strategy on both of their parts, that their team is probably saying, let's secure you your next role. And then when you're happily in place, you do that hard-hitting interview because it doesn't look like sour grapes because you're already working again on something else. And then you can say, you know what? I did feel disrespected, blah, blah, blah. I'm on this new show. It's wonderful. Because there's a way you can spin it, and then people will be like, wow, CBS was a real jerk. Or NBC, how dare they do that to Sophia? And that's a really good strategy. It is interesting because, you know, me and Bay were huge fans of the show. I've been a huge fan of Sophia since, I mean, I don't know, 2002, uh, something like that. Mm-hmm. But and, and she's universally liked. I mean, I've not heard really one bad story about her being sort of a diva or anything like that. Oh, no, she's fantastic. But I, but I have to wonder, does her leaving the show have – it coincides with the breakup, doesn't it? And she's been through that before. She had to suffer through, like, five seasons with Chad Michael Murray after their relationship deteriorated. And I wonder if yeah. it was just that she just didn't want to go through that again. That can be entirely possible where it's just like, you know what, at this point it becomes self-care. I've made some money, and now, you know what, I don't want to deal with this day in, day out, and I just want to be healthy. There's nothing wrong with that, for sure, if that's her reason. Entirely, entirely I, possible. I say we give her and the, the, uh, Grace Park from Hawaii Five O their own spinoff and call it a day. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> I'm totally in. Oh, boy. Yeah, there's been a lot. You know, CBS has had a, you know, TCAs, they've had to, you know, they don't understand. You're like, you look at their lineup and you're like, it's white and it's male. And they're like, where are the females? Like, where are the people of color? And they think, you know, we know we need to do better, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, they're just talking. You know what I mean? It's just a bunch of talk, not a bunch of action. So reporters have been riding them pretty hard. It will be interesting to see what happened. And I will tell you that Hawaii Five O breakup, that was ugly. And I'm not talking about the actors. The actors did the right thing, I think. Um, talking about the network. 
Yeah, and it's interesting because money? Grace Park's husband is staying on the show as a series regular now. The the guy who was playing her husband. Um, yeah. So that, that's weird. It's awkward. It's really awkward. And um, I don't begrudge the actor that stayed on the show because, of course, like, he wants to keep working and everything else. But I do understand why both of them left. And I'm like, you know, it does get to a point when it's about respect. And when you've helped make a show successful in a long-running series and other people aren't showing up to every episode and you're still paid less, not fair. Not fair. It's crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Just when you think Hollywood can't get any weirder or crazier, <laughs> it happens it does. again. It does, yeah. And I think, too, for CBS, like, here's the thing. We've seen other shows do it very well and very seamlessly. We saw it on Showtime's um, Shameless. They managed to find the money for Emmy Rossum to match William H. Macy and then also get retro pay, which is incredible. I don't understand why CBS couldn't do the same on Hawaii Five-0. I really don't. Well, yeah, and, and when you think about it, it it's even it's even stranger in the, in the Hawaii Five-0 case because Emmy does a great job on Shameless. I'm, I'm not saying that. But she isn't exactly, like, super well-known in, like, the mainstream circles, I don't think, other than for Shameless, of course. But when right. you talk about Grace Park, Grace Park was in Battlestar Galactic. It was the best remake in the last 50 years. You know what I mean? Daniel Day Kim was in Lost, which may have been, you know, one of the biggest shows of all time. I mean, these guys have a established fan base, and they're good. You know what I mean? Like, and Daniel Day Kim, I imagine it was hard for him to quit because dude has been in Hawaii since the first day of law. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's and now he's got to go find somewhere else. Well, and that's exactly it. And talking network money, like, networks usually have a lot of money to pay out its superstars. Um, and that's a significant raise and offer that to them and they refuse. But again, if some of your stars aren't showing up in every episode and still making more, you have to look at the optics on something like that. You have to realize the climate we're in now. You have to realize people are fighting back and saying, That's, I deserve the same. And I don't think anyone who follows Hawaii Five O um, or follows in industry will argue with that. I think that Daniel and Grace are both in the right. And I, I think they, they made a very strong stance by quitting as well. Yeah, and I, I think that time will tell that there's more to the story than that because uh, a couple seasons ago, I think her name was Michelle. I want to say Forrest is her last name. I, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. But she made a couple opinionated statements on Twitter, and, and I, of course I don't have them with me right now. But she sort of mm-hmm. disappeared from Hawaii Five-0 right after she gave her opinion. And she was a major character in the storyline at the time. It was almost abrupt the way they sort of dismissed her. And I think she's been back for one episode. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's some if there's some more to this story. Yeah, and you know what? Hopefully, I hope that some journalists, like you know, from either Variety or Vulture or maybe BuzzFeed or um, Hollywood Reporter, are kind of hunting this down because I have a feeling this could be a deep dive article 
really about what was happening on that set. Definitely. So, uh, no, um, one thing that, uh, like, one of the big news stories that's happened over the last couple of weeks, and uh, I was wondering if uh, there was, like, any type of reaction in Hollywood is uh, another suicide we, uh, we've gotten in mm-hmm. music. Uh, Chester Bennington at Lincoln Park. Uh, what's the what's the kind of like been out there in Hollywood besides shock? Yeah, you know, I think that this has really been it's been a tough summer. You know, last year was tough because we had a lot of celebrity deaths. This year it, it feels even more tragic because you know with Chester, so with Chris Cornell, of course, and they were friends. Um, suicide, mental health, things that we continually need to talk about and destigmatize because so many of us, even if you don't have mental illness, possibility of going through depression at least once in your life remains pretty high. And I think all of us can talk about a moment in our lives when we were depressed. Maybe we didn't realize it until later on, whether it was from a death or just going through a tough time. Um, depression is tough. And I don't understand why we can talk about someone being an alcoholic, like you're putting on pants, but we talk about like depression in whispers. I, I still don't get that. And I think that, you know, I, I really hope that we're starting to learn some lessons behind all of this, because I got to tell you, like you, when you go by the rock walk, you know, at the guitar center on Sunset Boulevard, where they have all the handprints of musicians in the cement, it's really right. sad to be like, here's another memorial to another musician who killed himself. Because he couldn't take the pain anymore. Um, and, I, you know, we're, I, I worry a little bit because, you know, we've talked a little bit about 13 Reasons Why, that Netflix show kind of triggers some people that are depressed. Oftentimes when celebrities commit suicide, it triggers people to or encourages them to commit suicide or think about it more. And we really have to wrap our brains around this and understand that, um, it's okay to talk about it. It's okay to get help. There's nothing wrong with that. And we're dealing with healthcare issues in the government. And some of the bills have taken away some of the mental health care. Like this is stuff I, I do worry about because it affects everyone. It's not just the celebrity thing. Yeah. You know, and um, like what you're saying about the, I, I guess um, the stigma like here, you have this guy who, whether it's Chester Bennington or Chris Cornell, these two guys who you would think uh, are, are kind of like on top of the world. You know what I mean? Where they are super talented. They've written hit after hit after hit for many years. Um, you think they have all these great things going on in their world and their life, and uh, both with married with multiple children and. To do this, it kind of makes, like, the normal average person who looks up to these people think, like, well, if they can't handle life and they have everything that you would think they need or want and that they've dreamt about, what the hell is there to look forward to on, right. for me? You know? It's, right. It's, it's tied into so yeah. many different things. It really is. And, you know, we have high suicide rates. Uh, from our military veterans that, you know, come back from war because they're not getting the support they need. LGBT community, also high suicide rates. There's a lot, you know, there's just so much of it going on. Um, it, really can, it really, honestly, like it really concerns me. And I will tell you that um, 
just, I'm going to talk in general terms. We just had a family member who tried to commit suicide, my husband and I, uh, just last week off the Golden Gate Bridge. And, okay. um, yeah, it, I mean, honestly. And so it's been, it's been kind of a hot topic in the family, and no one knows what to do about it. And I, I have a friend that just went through massive depression. He's like, get him into a treatment program. But the family is, the family is so resistant to mental health care. Um, because they, they have a stigma about it. Do you know what I mean? And my, I'm, I'm such an alarmist, but I'm like, I don't want to get another phone call about this. That yeah. is my big concern because they already have made the plans, understand how to do it and everything else. It's time to really take action and help someone who's crying out for help. But everyone's sweeping it under the rug. And I think that this happens in a lot of families. So it's been interesting trying to talk to people and be like, there's nothing wrong with therapy. There's nothing wrong with taking medication to help find a balance. Um, because he's in pain. This person is in pain. So it's, it's been something that we've been dealing with personally. And, um, you know, when people have a resistance to getting treatment, and I'm not even talking about the person that was thinking about committing suicide. We're talking about the rest of the family around. It's, wow. To me, it's baffling. I don't know. I guess because I'm just always someone that I'm like, if you feel sick, you go to the doctor. If you are feeling really blue for a long time, you go to a therapist. You try and dig through the problems. But, you know, every family handles things differently. And so it's been it's been frustrating, but it's also been eye-opening because I'm like, I think a lot of the United States feels like this, too. You know, I, and I, I've said it before, like, I, I go to a therapist every week. Every Tuesday, 530, I'm at my therapist's office. And I, Great. I, I love it. I, it, I think it's been so helpful. It's really opened my eyes to so many things in my life, you know, that I, I just, that, you know, it was there, but you didn't realize it until talking about it and really like, like, mm-hmm. oh, all right, I, now I get it. Now I see. It really made me understand so much more about, you know, my life growing up and stuff like that. And I, I can't tell people enough. I mean, it, it's not something to be ashamed of. I, you know, it can help you. It truly oh, can help you if you do it. it. It really can. I mean, and I just had a friend that went through like a nine-month program. And I think we talked about this, like addiction and, and depression and everything else. And he's like, God, if I had only known to get treatment for my depression, the addiction probably wouldn't have followed. Um, wow. And, you know, that's even what I'm saying to the family. I was like, do we know if he's using anything? And they're like, he does not do drugs. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> like chill out. But I am asking these because oftentimes we sometimes have a drink to make ourselves feel better. We sometimes, you know, people have taken drugs to feel better. But also sure. we also know that prescription pills right now are kind of the opioid addiction is real. It's a big deal. So that's another thing. It's huge. So, Again, like that was something else that I kind of threw out there. And, you know, nobody knows. No one has an answer. No one knows who they're hanging out with. And I'm like, we need to get these answers because there's a lot more going on than anybody knows. Sure. Yeah. Well, I hope so, everything yeah. works out. I, I hope so, too. We have a family wedding next weekend, and I'm kind of hoping that um, – I'm going to use my reporter skills and hopefully get some more answers. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm on the case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that stuff can come in very handy. 
It, it does. People don't even know. Like, sometimes in interviews, I'm like, they don't even realize that they just revealed a huge little tidbit to me. <laughs> I right, use it right. all the time to get, like, spoilers and scoop and things like that. <laughs> so. now, now, when something like that happens, do you, is, like, the inside, Kristen, like, are the fireworks going off and you're like, oh, my God, oh, my God, like, I, I, I got to get this out there. I got I to gotta get this so people can hear this. It's been interesting because especially this summer, you know, where I cover a lot of dance, like the world of dance. And so you think you can dance and, and even dancing with the stars because that, you know, we're running into almost a dancing with the stars season soon enough. Um, there's stuff that I sit on and I will never reveal because some of it I feel is just too gossipy and it's not going to help anybody in terms oh, wow. of like if it involves relationships or things like that. Um, you know, there's things that I'm like, if I ever write a book, maybe that'll be fun later on, 10 years down the line. Um, but, you know, but when it comes to ruining people's personal lives, I'm not interested in that at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's that. When it comes to, like, uh, this is a great example. I was with Nigel Lithgow from So You Think You Can Dance last Saturday for National Dance Day, and he was like, Kristen, I've got three choreographers. Here's some information. And I knew he passed it on to me deliberately, and I tweeted it out. Because he loves spoilers, Nigel, which I love that about him. And he sometimes hands them to me. And so I tweeted it out, and, you know, the fans got excited, which is great. Other times I'll find things out, and I know that I have to keep my source, really. Um, I can't identify them. I don't want any identifying information to get out. So I'll do, like, these 60-second dance scoops, or I'll drop some things in an article, um, I'll cloud it with other information so it can't be traced back to the person. So there's, there's a variety of ways I handle it, but I will tell you, I sit on a lot of information and I think I've said this before in the climate we are in right now, I probably sit on a little bit more information than I did a year ago. Um, just because we're everyone's temperatures are running very hot and I want to make sure that, uh, I don't have a Twitter war or a Facebook war or anything else happening in my direction. I'm not interested in that. I'll tell you what, that speaks volumes about you as a person. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, I, I try. I, you know what? I try to have some type of ethics. <laughs> I haven't always succeeded. Like, there's a couple times I've, I've spoiled some things, and I thought, mm, I probably wouldn't do that again. Um, but you, you learn along the way, as we all know. And we're all human. We all make mistakes. We learn on the job. We learn in life. And I try, you know what? Here's the deal. At the end of the day, I want to be able to look at myself in the mirror and be disgusted with myself. So that's kind of my, my litmus test of, like, how would I feel at the end of the day if I, like, throw out this information? And that's where I sit on a lot of the silly gossip. How does it help people? All it is is gossip, you know. The fun stuff is like, here are the choreographers that are coming, or here are the possible celebrities coming on Dancing with Stars. That stuff I don't care because no one's getting hurt by it. Wow, that's that's interesting. That's uh, not not many people can probably say they do that. Most, I, I probably ninety percent of the, of the uh, you know journalists out there cannot say they do that. really good journalists out there that are probably and you know when we all get into a room and sit together <laughs> that's when a lot of like the dirt comes out or you're like did you hear that but I heard that you know what I mean we share information and everyone's like oh my god 
because you do feel like you have to talk about it sometimes. Like, I'll tell my husband, I'll be like, oh, my God, I heard this thing, and da, da, da. And he'll be like, who is that? And I'm like, ah! <laughs> I can't explain who all these people are. So you have to always sometimes find a fellow journalist that you trust, and they trust you, and you can have, like, a drink and just tell each other some inside scoop. That's always fun. So is, is the husband... yeah. Is is the husband the go-to one to really? Uh, oh my God, I I, I got to tell somebody this, and uh, this person is this 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 this. Yeah, so he probably hears it all, and then he probably forgets it all. So he'd be like the worst person to be like, "What gossip do you know from your wife?" Because he'd be like, "I don't know, like that guy from that show," and then <laughs> he never remembers names, has no no <laughs> idea who anyone is. Um, so I have I have one. One one go to gal. She and I like will go out and um, have a drink occasionally, and the two of us will go and trade information. And we know it doesn't go any further than that, so that's always fun. That's wild. <laughs> yeah, but the rest of us, we we both know. And she works for a great outlet, and she, a lot of the stuff she can't use either. It's just one of the things you're like, not here to ruin lives or families, so. Mm-mm-mm. So, so <laughs> do, do you by chance call that person on the phone to tell them anything, or do you text them, or? <laughs> oh, I don't put anything in writing. I know better, first of all, on that. So, don't ever leave anything on voicemail, no email, no DMs, like nothing. Um, if I go when I when I share information with my fellow reporter, it's just the two of us gabbing over a drink at a bar. <laughs> now you've mentioned a couple times um it what is it what's the Jayla show World of Dance is that what it's called World of Dance yeah No what when is that over like I thought it was supposed to be like a quick one and I can't believe it's like still on maybe it's just going slow or I, I don't know Oh it's actually a fast one it's 10 weeks so it was 1 hour each week for 10 weeks the finale is this Tuesday and I have the this is that I feel bad for these guys because I have so much inside scoop on the show. I literally am going to ask these guys, what about this? Why did this happen? And blah, blah, blah. Cause there's been some issues with judging and stuff like that. Some people have had some questions and I'm like, you're in the hot seat. Here we go. Because I feel oh. like they legitimately can answer those or they cannot answer them. I mean, they could probably say at this time I can't answer. Um, but you know, I, there's a lot of questions about how things run and you know, Reality competition shows are exactly that. Reality shows are still written, and they're still um, guided and produced. So, you know, a storyline could be one thing in real life, and then once it reaches TV, it's been molded and shaped a little bit. And we even saw that on World of Dance. We see it all the time on Dancing with the Stars. We see it less so on So You Think You Can Dance because the contestants are so young, but but definitely um, some of those shows. American Idol, they they all mold and shape the stories. Did you see? Um, I think it was last week. Uh, a Rod was at a, uh, I guess like like a sports uh, autograph card show or something. That he was doing signings at, and Jayla went with him. Yes. <laughs> and she's like sitting there on the side. She's taking photos for the fans of her man. And I was like, oh, Jayla's getting serious about A Rod. She's going to marry him. They're going to get married. I think so. And then so. they're going to get divorced. And then oh, they're going absolutely. to get divorced. Oh, absolutely. 100%. It's going to crash and burn. 100%. It's, 
it never works when she goes with um, a dominant male. It, I mean, it hasn't. I would say Chris Judd was probably one of her few marriages where he was probably more submissive than, say, like Mark Anthony. Um, but it just, it just never works. She really needs to find. She needs to step out of her mold because every time she like picks that dominant guy, Ben Affleck, that was another one. Nope, not gonna work. Not yeah. gonna work. Puffy, I forgot about Puffy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You knew that wasn't gonna work either. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can see it, and I and I see like she they they both fell in love very quickly. You know, he it's great for him because he needs to rehab his image a little bit from like hot headed athlete to like broadcaster businessman. Who, who better than J Lo, who's mastered the entrepreneur, yeah. actress slash musician slash you know pop culture icon she's great for his image so but they're going to get married and then it'll blow up in a few years and I hate to say that because I love her I love her I do too (laughs) yeah but she's like Elizabeth Taylor she's the Elizabeth Taylor of her time that's interesting that's that's an interesting Mm -hmm. statement yeah I mean, she's already had, let's see, Chris Judd, Ohani Noah, Mark Anthony, three marriages. Yeah, so, so this would be lots four. of high-profile romance. Yeah, this would be four. So by the she time she's love. in her 60s, she'll be up to six. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. So now I, I guess you're going to be on the uh, East Coast all week long then, huh? I'm here through Sunday, and then I will be – I have to fly back for – so you think starts their live shows on Monday. So it's kind of a crazy little week. But, um, yeah, I'll be I'll be just Instagram. I'm going to be an Instagram wife this weekend, just taking pictures of my husband. <laughs> Very good. Well, yeah, in, so in, he's in, usually uh, stuck on red carpet with me, so I'm going to support him this time. Little role reversal going on. Yeah, it's a good one. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I hope you guys have uh, have fun and good luck to uh, the husband. And uh, we'll be looking forward to your handy dandy Instagram work over the weekend. Yes, all of the Lucys and Rickies that probably are in attendance. <laughs> <laughs> and he, but Bill is the official Ricky Ricardo, by the way. He is licensed by the Desi Arnaz estate. Oh, Believe that's it or awesome. not, he's the only one in the U.S. The only one. He's the guy. <laughs> that's a that's a huge uh, a huge thing to kind of like uh, I don't want to say be burdened with, but but you know it's kind of like a it's kind of pressure. There's a responsibility there for sure, yeah. and there's even a responsibility not just to the family but to the fans, but especially the ones who were alive and were able to watch all those shows when they were both with us, and um, it's amazing, you know, I it's. It's why we're married is because of the show. So it's kind of special to us. So when she got asked to do it this year, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm totally coming. As you see, I'm flying into Cleveland and driving two hours to <laughs> town. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, hats well, off to him and to you. Excellent. Well, I'll talk to you guys next week. Absolutely. Thanks, Kristen. You bet. Take care. You too. All right, there she goes, Kristen Burt. 
she'll be uh, doing the Instagram thing all week long. So uh, keep an eye out. So check her out on Instagram. You can also follow her on Facebook, Twitter, and Snapchat as well. It's Kristen Burt, K-R-I-S-T-Y-N-B-U-R-T-T. That's K-R-I-S-T-Y-N-B-U-R-T-T. That's pretty wild, man. That, that's kind of like, that, that's a total honor, don't you think, man? What's that? Uh, about her I husband? the word that you said, a total... <clears throat> a total honor. Oh, yeah, 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 no doubt. That is really cool. I thought you said horror there for a second. I was like, wait, did I oh, something? No. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> no, sorry. I'm still, uh, I got this freaking cold now. Yeah, you know. Fun, fun, fun. Yeah. <laughs> What'd you say? Don't uh, die? You're going to die. <laughs> uh, spent my freaking day uh, going to the doctors today. Two different doctors getting second opinions on stuff. Can I tell you how confusing that is? Like, I didn't want to do it in the first place. But, like, everybody kept telling me, you need to go talk to a second doctor. You need to go to Temple yeah. because Temple's the best. And... You know, hear what they're going to tell you. So that's what I did. Like, we made this appointment with a temple doctor. Went this morning and um, went to their lung, lung, um, you know, their lung center. And uh, two hours talking to this doctor. And I walked out of there kind of like, well, what the fuck is my doctor doing? Like, my doctor's not doing this test or he's not doing that test. And why isn't he doing this? And why hasn't he done this and all that? So I had the appointment set up with my normal pulmonary doctor for later this afternoon. So then uh, Jess made up like a barrage of questions and we spun it like, well, why haven't you done this? And what about this? And well, here he already had all the answers. (laughs) And and we sat and like talked with him for over an hour. And I was just like, this is why I don't want to change doctors because I like this doctor. He's like, the doctor in the Philadelphia area that treats he's got he told me he's got three hundred and like ninety two other patients with my condition. Now so are are you getting a second opinion on the sarcoidosis? Is it gonna yeah, be yeah. that's that's, uh, that's have you mean. gotten it or are they waiting to get results or something? Well that that's the thing. Like um I would have to go back like he gave his initial like you know, he wants to do this test and this test and see some things, and he wants to go over all my results from previous tests that I have done. So we were getting him all those stuff. I had to sign off, you know, on all that stuff. And I was supposed to go back in September to do um, a couple, like, breathing tests and, like, uh, walking and see how I am, you know, walking and stuff like that. Um but uh, I'm, I'm kind of like, like I don't even want to bother now. Like, I, I like my guy. I, I like, you know, like, he, he told me things today. Like, we, we asked questions that we haven't asked before. And, you know, he had the answers. Like, uh, Right. I know what you, you mean, know. dude. I, I hate going to a doctor when you've already seen somebody before. And they're like, well, have you tried this? And like, no. And like, well, why not? Like, because my fucking doctor didn't say to do that. You know what I mean? Right. Like, because I listened. That's, that's, you know what I mean? Like, you don't have time to fucking explain yourself three different times to three different doctors. You know what I mean? Like, that's after waiting two hours in the waiting room. You know right. what I mean? I'm and with like, you on that. 
And the one thing was like that I was really fucking pissed off about, where I was really seriously thinking about telling my guy, like, fuck you, was I went for that uh, sleep study last week. And um, the 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 way it was supposed to be was, like, do the the actual initial sleep study overnight again, where the first half of the night you sleep without the machine, second half you sleep with the, the CPAP machine, and then they were going to keep me all day the next day and monitor my um, my breathing and all this stuff. And he wanted to get, like, all these results on all of these functions and all. Well, here they told me I didn't have to stay the whole next day. And then they said they, you know, they fucked up the test and all this stuff. Well, you know, that was the first questions out of, out of my mouth was, like, because the, the sleep center called me yesterday. They wanted to reschedule to do it all over again. I'm like, no. Like, no, no, no. And... Um, I think I was telling you, Nick, we were talking online about it the other day, and I was telling you how I was actually scared to sleep without the machine. Because um, I'm so used to it now that I couldn't, like, get comfortable enough and, conf- I guess, confident enough in myself to actually sleep without the machine. Well, he told me, and I was telling you, like, I didn't sleep. Like, I was up almost that whole time. I dozed in and out here yeah. for maybe like 10 minutes here and there. Um, my breathing is so bad. It, it's like uh, I'm like on death, like knocking on death's door if I don't use that machine. It's that it, it's it's hard. He's like, it's absolutely horrible. He's like, you need to use that machine. If you don't use that machine, you could die at any moment. So, really, he said if you don't sleep with the machine, you could die at any moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, I, I, he told me what it was. I guess it was. I'm not sure if this is right. I know it was 70 times. So I guess it would be 70 times an hour. I stopped breathing. Oh wow, man! Do you know and what that said, reminds me of? What does it remind me of? Little Genie's husband. Oh, uh, Ted uh, Penn. Yes. Didn't he die? He fell asleep and those complications of sleep apnea or something like that? Oh, is that what it was? I mean, I could be wrong, but I thought that's what I heard, that they were coming home from a show and he was sleeping in the back seat and, you know, head back, mouth open. And by the time they got to the folk, uh, toll booth, I mean, I could be totally wrong, but I, I, that's the impression that I've been under for the last so many right. years. Yeah. It's, and and it's, Carrie it's, Fisher, they said sleep apnea contributed to her death. Right. Yeah, he said there was um, there's moments like I would stop breathing for up to a minute and 35 seconds. Holy hell. Yeah. So... I use that fucking machine, you know, and, and now I, I, I'm, I'm religious with it. Like I'm totally cool with it now. Like it doesn't bother me. The mask that I have is the, uh, you know, the first time I can honestly say, like I have a mask after 20 something years of using a CPAP machine on and off throughout the that time. Like I have a mask that I'm comfortable with that. I feel comfortable sleeping with and it doesn't bother me. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what's crazy about this conversation, though, dude? Like, I had a sleep study. They were like, you know, the doctor said to go get one. I had the whole thing. I came back. I got the results. They're like, we're going to give you a CPAP 
And that was all the information I got. I went to my doctor. I was like, yo, so when am I getting this machine? The doctor was like, oh, they should have given it to you. I went to them. I asked them, when am I getting the machine? They said, yo, your doctor should have given it to you. That was the last I ever heard of any of it. I'll never go get another sleep study again. That was their one chance. Dude. No, it's your chance. <laughs> Please, dude, seriously. I, I just, I'll never do it again. They they already know that I need one. They don't need to know that I need one more. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, that, and that was my thing, too. That's what I was saying, like, with this whole sleep study. Like, you already know I have it. This isn't the main issue. I was trying to, like, get this through the, to the girl's head as she's hooking me up to the, the all the wires and shit. I'm like, this is not the main reason I'm here. We already know I have it. I already use the machine. That's not the issue here or the problem here. The problem is this sarcoidosis shit. And that's what he's trying to find, you know, all these levels and, and lung functions and all that other shit to, um, you know, see how to uh, approach and treat that. She didn't want to hear that. It's she interesting didn't. because it seems like you're having two separate issues. Like, for at least from what I've read about sarcoidosis is that it's more of an inflammation in certain systems, usually like the lymphatic system. And But you're also having pulmonary issues. Like, is that right. something that happens with all sarcoidosis patients, or are you having unique symptoms that may be something else on top of that? You know what I mean? Well, now, what I'm told... <clears throat> is like you said with the inflammation and all that, which is um, rheumatoid arthritis. Now I have to go see a rheumatoid arthritis doctor to get treated for that. The pulmonary stuff, um, you know, it affects like joints and muscles and all that. And you also get fucking like skin lesions, which. I have one right now, like on my side, and you know, I, uh, I I've had them. It's weird because the dude, like I've joined these uh, Sarkoid groups on Facebook, and been learning this stuff. And like last night or the night before, somebody posted like their arm had like a whole breakout of it, and I was and I showed it to Jess. I'm like, that's what my fucking thing on my side looks like, and that's what like I've had like little breakouts on my arm from time to time. Or um, under my arm, and that's what they look like. And I'm like, well, hello, that's what that fucking is. It's sarcoidosis legions. So, like, well, now the next time I have one that breaks out, I got to get hold of a dermatologist and have them biopsy it. Like, it's like, come on, really? Like, you just become like a fucking human guinea pig. It's just crazy, dude. I like, I. so complex, like uh, I, I really, I, I'm be willing to bet that there's another underlying issue, like you said, rheumatoid arthritis or something like that. That's that's a real. I mean, on, on top of what you normally deal with, then having the breathing problems, and then it's causing problems walking. Like, how the fuck are you supposed to survive as a human being? Yeah, dude. Uh, yeah, and then on top of it, the way like. I have to go back well, on. Uh, I gotta ask: Do you qualify for disability? No, nope, no. Nuts! Absolutely nuts. No, actually, you know what? A lot of people 
somebody had posted about that too in one of them groups that they were trying to get disability because they're in a lot worse off shape than I am. And, um, you know, they were denied. And a lot of people were saying you have to really get a lawyer to go through with through the process with you and fight it. And you're going to get probably denied a couple times, but you know, you just got to keep trying to fight it. But yeah, no, I, I was shot down and I, like, I, I didn't even want it. Like Jess just put in for it, but here's the fucked up uh, that now um, I'm getting a fucking handicap parking spot. Like my doctor signed the paperwork today. Right. You know, so now I'll have a, a handicap placard, so which will be good. Like, so when I go to concerts and see a uh, trickster, I can like pull up to the like close parking spot and go in and and not have that far to walk. So I'll be good to go. And that's the second spot. I'm blocking it off. No, I don't want to hear about these festival problems. They know it's all bullshit. <laughs> There's no way I'm giving up one of those spots. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to tell every handicapped person in America to launch a pirate against you. <laughs> You're an abuser of privilege. Show. Let's Dude, how are you, baby? Crazy motherfucker. <laughs> Mr. Mark Gus Scott. What's going on, my brother? Dude, I'm only working on like two and a half hours sleep, so I'm just like full throttle right now. If the, if, if the, if the carburetor goes, it's all over. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's kind are, of funny. Well, are you okay? All kidding aside, are you all right, bro? Dude, you know, you know uh, no, <laughs> I, I am, but I'm not. Yeah. I, I, I got diagnosed earlier this year with this funky fucking thing. Uh, it's called sarcoidosis, which is uh, the claim to fame. When you put your penis in a sardine can, what happened? Right. It, it, well, this, the claim to fame of sarcoidosis is Bernie Mac. That's what Bernie Mac died from. It's this whole, it's a, it's a lung lymph node inflammatory like infection that is uncurable. And they just, so you're you're not kidding. Oh my God, I didn't realize. For crying, I'm making jokes here. For I, I'm very, I, I you, joke. I mean, please make jokes. You're please. you're okay. I mean, how how serious? I mean, the, how, are you like in Bernie Mac? Final stages here? What are we talking no, about? No, 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 no. no. Well, I found, I found out I am in uh, what stage I am in. I'm in stage two. So uh, I'm not in Bernie Mac stage yet. No. Well, so. holy cow. Number one, I'm really, you're freaking me out, bro. I mean, uh, what's the prognosis? Um, basically. I to, mean, um, you know, what, is that, what do you think is going to happen from this point on? It, it's something that can be treated. And how to treat it, that's the mystery now. Now they, we, we, here's the fucked up thing. Like, like they tell you, like, uh, the, the first thing they prescribe you is prednisone, which gives you a whole bunch of different side effects and craziness and all that. And I was telling my, uh, my co-host, I've joined these groups on Facebook that with people that have it, and they're all like, oh, I'm on this drug and that drug. And so I asked my doctor today, I'm like, well, what about this one and that one? He's like, they're not FDA approved. I'm like, and that means people, they probably work. All kidding aside, <laughs> hey man, you got a crazy. I'm I'm game for a, you know unconventional warfare on 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 pro, problems of the interior for crying out loud. Uh, I, I I don't not, let me tell you something. I don't put all the faith in the world in the FDA. Uh, there's a lot of things that that are going on in the rest of the world that are approved that aren't necessarily allowed in, in the U.S. 
and that isn't necessarily because they don't work. Right. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Uh, right. I, I, again, I, it's not my area, but uh, it is my understanding, particularly when it comes to different sicknesses, that there are treatments outside the U.S. that are very effective. So uh, a little research could possibly go a long way, my friend. And I, I wouldn't necessarily use an SDA stamp of approval as whether something truly works or not. That's a good point, too. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I hate you know, to sound uh, communistic. You know what else is a good point? You know what else is a good point, though, that you suffer from a disease that has inflammatory issues, and the number one way to reduce inflammatory issues is to switch to a vegetarian lifestyle. Just throwing it out there. I know, I know, I know. It's it's like sacrilege. You're gonna be, you listen, to listen, listen. Number one, relax. All right? Yeah. Let Dr. Scott take care of everything here, okay? <laughs> number one, <laughs> you, 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 tell, tell, tell the wife you're going out, okay? That's number one. Number two, get the yellow pages. That section E, escorts, look, look very thick into that <laughs> section right there, my friend. Okay? <laughs> we, now, you're in Philadelphia. I'm sure there's some very, very good talents in that area. Okay? We, we, we'll meet, uh, I'll meet you down there. And give, me, give me a couple hours to get on a flight. We'll, we'll, we'll take care of everything. <laughs> we'll take about 48 hours, okay? <laughs> I'll be hey, bro, okay, I really hope you're okay. You're freaking me out over here, man. Uh, uh dude, I'm all right. Seriously, I'll be all right. I, I'm I'm confident I'll be all right. Are you scamming a, you're just trying to scam a goddamn parking pass, isn't it? You know what? I got there you go. I got great parking now for when trickster ever fucking come up. <laughs> <out. laughs> well, one thing's for sure, I'm coming to the East Coast soon, pal. So guess what? I'll make you feel better inside of 48 hours. I'm, I'll probably just take one night. You're a light stage. You're only stage two. We're gonna we're gonna perk you right up, right up. <laughs> Blood counts going right through. You get enough alcohol in the body, it, it gets rid of all the germs. I'm living proof. Living proof. There you go. I'm, there you I'm go. I'm partying all day. I freaking don't get any sleep. I lost 15 pounds. I, I, I'm fine. I mean, it's all bull crap. You know, it's a, don't just stop believing what everybody tells you. You can fix yourself. We're gonna go see a chakra. And you're gonna be fine. I got it all figured out. I got it all figured out. I'm telling you, we're gonna let Doctor Scott take care of it. I'll get the rubber gloves, little Vaseline. Everything will be just fine. I'll spend 24 hours with him, and then I'll be up to stage three, right? <laughs> Come on, man. I've got, I've got a positive outlook for you. I'm feeling good about it. I think I, I'm gonna I'm gonna design a full regimen of treatment. Well, you're gonna uh, you're, you're gonna take that handicap parking sticker away from you. There you but go. We won't. Hey, uh, we won't sell them. We'll, we'll, we'll keep. We'll keep the handicap sticker. There you go. There you go. Right. <laughs> hey, hey, don't you, give you me know, a I hope you're okay, pal. Uh, you know what? I appreciate it, man. I, I really do. And, and you know what? I, I I don't even know if I told uh, my co-host Nick and Janetti this one. Um, so uh, like two weeks ago, I, I get this text message from one. Uh, asking about wanting to come and do uh, Star Spangled Bad at like sporting events in the Philadelphia area, and I was like, I was, I was actually kind of like uh, honored. You, you thought me you know, like, hey, you know anybody, any connections out there or anything? I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Dude. Hey, babe, you know that's how we do it. I was, dude, and you know I, I've said it before, and I don't just say it lightly. I know it's like the lip service sort of thing to do when you're doing a, a radio show in a certain area. When we, we have a, a long history down in the Philly area. It is a special place close to me. Why? Because of Rocky Balboa, of course. I mean, man, I've been twice two of the greatest shows I've ever played. 
It was, you know, we recorded our second album down in that area. I mean, uh, Philly, it's right next door to Jersey, for crying out loud. So, I, I mean, it's always been a special place in my heart. There's always been great people, great support from Pennsylvania. I mean, come on, man. I'm not kidding, you know. The, the whole state, is that, is that is a rock and roll state. A lot more rock and roll than sometimes Jersey is. And, dude, that's, that's my state. And I don't, I, I'm not giving the lip service. You know it's true. We've been all over the place. Erie, Wilkes-Barre, freaking, come on, they got the, in the Poconos and they got the, the, the Mohegan Sun in Pennsylvania for crying out loud. How much better can right. you get? I'm telling you, man. And you're closer to Atlantic City, so it pisses me off. <laughs> I was always at the <laughs> north part of the state. If I lived in Philly, I can get to Atlantic City quicker. Oh, for crying out loud. You know what? Times like not, what is there really to see in Atlantic City? What are you talking about? Still, come on. You got Jesus Palace. You got the Trump. You got Trump. What are you talking about? It's, 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 you obviously have not been to AC like I've been to AC. I I'm, haven't been I'm telling you. I'm, well, I'm bringing you, my friend. We're going to have some fun. We are going to have some fun. <laughs> they put a lot of money in down there, man. I'm telling you, the hotel. I, I was there. First time I was there was maybe 30 years ago. And we had fun. All the guys get there. And then let me tell you what. I went back 20 years later. Wow. They really infused that place with cash. They, they it certainly bumped up a notch on what it used to be. Uh, it's impressive. It certainly is impressive. Yeah, but now the half of it's insurance. It's good, and it's, I'll say there's pros and there's cons. Number one, it was getting oversaturated. Where they have 12 major casinos inside of one town, and it's not like Vegas. So yeah, yeah. it was rough, and then and it got it, it got cut. However, now the remaining casinos are on steroids, man. And there's yeah. people, there's action going on. It's not like ghost towns in each casino. It, it, the ones that have made it through that tough spot now have greater market share. They're making more money. They're having great promotions. And people are at the tables and at the games and at the shows. And it's, it's a, it is a freaking hoop. We, I have a, a Borgata. Hello? Dude, <laughs> I, I'm not kidding. And, dude, I'm not getting paid from Atlantic City. I'm telling you, I have a great time when I go down there. If I have, go to a town and have a crappy town, I have a crap time. But, man... Down in AC, great times, great times in Atlantic City, absolutely. The Borgata has an amazing Italian restaurant, too. I forget the name of it. But you go downstairs, it's like you're walking into a cave. Amazing place. Awesome, awesome. Yes, I, got, yeah. I go to Caesars also. Caesars has some view. And just the aesthetics. Oh, my God, it's freaking beautiful, man. It's awesome. Great, great, great stuff, great stuff. It's a beautiful town. My kind of town. <laughs> Yeah, but now I'm in Arizona. I'm only three and a half hours from Vegas, so come on. Oh, oh, this is... See, now, what part of Arizona are you in? Because my co-host Nick is out there with you. He's in Arizona. Oh, I didn't even know. I, Nick, on, on the phone now? Yeah, yeah. There he is. Hello. Hey, man. I, I had no idea. Shoot, man. I'm in North Phoenix. I'm at uh, 83rd and Indian School. Oh well, shoot! You're not far at all, dude. Let's all right. We gotta come up with a plan. We gotta we gotta we gotta get Bay out here. We'll we'll, we'll set him up. Maybe we'll go down to uh, the Hyatt down in Scottsdale, a little class, you know. Maybe the Fairmont, and then I got a couple of spots, some noisy spots, where you can take more. We'll have some good times. <laughs> all right, you heard it, Bay. <laughs> I would love that. Me and Nick are gonna be... plan the whole itinerary, pal. Don't you worry about anything. We'll take care of it. You just come on out. Now here, here's something for you, and, and I figured, I said I said to Nick early in the show, like you're the one to 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 deliver this answer for us. Like Nick is like we've been doing this show; it's going on five years, and we've had all right. Hold countless on, let me tell it. Let me say. It. Okay. <laughs> 
I'm upset because we've been doing this show for five years. Now, we've had rock stars on this show of all different genres. I mean, we've had Lita Ford on. We've had the dude from Aerosmith, the dude from Disturbed, Charlie Daniels, all these cool people. Not one person so far has told us a badass fucking sex and drugs and rock and roll rock star story. Not one of them. Okay, so is it so is that my cue to, to it is. story time? Is that what we're doing here? <laughs> Once upon a time, ladies and gentlemen. All right, you know what? I'll give you something. I'll give you want it. You want it, son? I'm gonna give it to you. Just make sure you can freaking hear it. All right. All kidding aside. Now this happened a long time ago, so the statute of limitations might have run out in most states. So I think I'm pretty safe. And living in Arizona, where you're allowed to carry firearms, I think I'll be fine. All right. That being said, there was this one time. <laughs> I can't believe I'm actually gonna tell it. <laughs> there's, there's, it, 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 this happened a long time ago, and I'll, I'll tell you this. You know, it, 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 you know, I think our our singer Pete Lawrence said it best. When you have the opportunity to have sexual relations with people at a, at a regular interval, at, at the at the frequency in which we were able to do so, it's like going to the refrigerator. So number one, because people may not be accustomed to that sort of lifestyle, it seems unique. It seems so tantalizing. So like, oh, my God, I can't believe. But when you're actually doing it, it's like, hey, you know, no big deal. I think that's something we learned about human behavior. I'm prefacing the story. I'm not sidestepping the story, but just prefacing. Uh, One thing we learned about human behavior is that people want what they don't have. So if you have straight hair, you want curly hair. You're a blonde, you want to be a brunette. Blah, 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 blah. You, you see what I'm saying? So Absolutely. one thing I found out when I was on the road and had access to a lot of females that I wanted to have a girlfriend. And then when you have a girlfriend, you want access to all those other girls. So it's an insidious cycle, particularly when at the time I was 22, 23 years old. So to have, you know, number one videos on MTV, gold record, we're on the road, we're open arena, you you get the idea. So the the stigmatism which you're exposed to at that early age is really weird, you know. So, again, when you have this, it's just a weird thing. And, again, I preface it by telling the story. So here's the story, okay? Once upon a time, we're telling the story form because every day there's something that happens that's crazy. I mean, literally every day. I'll give you an example. When we're uh, on the road, let's say, Warren, Trickster, and Firehouse, we had the biggest tour of the summer in 1991. Uh, I remember when we first got on the tour, I'm like, oh, it'll be a nice tour. You know, we'll do well. It'll be okay. You know, but, dude, when we start selling out places like the World Amphitheater in Chicago, 33,000 people, something's weird. You know what I mean? This thing freaking blew up. Uh, We did, oh, man, I mean, crazy all over the place. Just big, big shows, and it went on a lot longer than we thought it would also. So we exceeded everybody's expectations, particularly our own, on, on just how big the bands were doing. Warren was on their, uh, uh, I think it was their second record, uh, Cherry Pie. Uh, we were just, you know, riding on the, the whole MTV buzz that we had going on. Firehouse just came out. They hit with a top 40 single with No Train Be Bad. So all three bands were rocking in the same genre from a marketing standpoint. It was just like the perfect strike. You know what I mean? And uh, it, it was, the timing was right, too. So it just was, it was the best rock tour 
to, to hit. And, and that year, we got Best Store Metal Edge Magazine. We did a pay-per-view special. It was the largest pay-per-view special of the year. It was, it was a very successful tour and, you know, very happy. So, again, prefacing, now to the, we were on the road. I won't say exactly when this was, but it was the early 90s, early 90s. Uh, we went to this little town called, what was it, Turlock, California? <laughs> yeah. Now, I, I, I don't know what's in the water over there, but, man, I'm telling you what. Now, this was a club show. This wasn't, uh, to give you an idea, we did, let's say, about four days a week in the arenas, and on the off days, we would do our own headlining shows at clubs and theaters and things like that. And we did a uh, off night in Turlock, California. And, again, there must be something geographical about this place because there was some magic in the air. We had some friends come out. I guess it was around the L.A. thing, so a lot of friends from the East Coast came out. We had our buddy Southside, and we had our buddy J.D., and we had all our friends out from back home, the family, you know, Chris Farinas. Uh, a, lot, a lot of good old buddies came to this show, and, and it got a little crazy. So uh, we had one of our buddies, J.D., come up on stage, and he starts singing the Blind Man Blues. And uh, I think PJ was playing drums, and I came out front and started singing a little bit. And, oh, the lights are getting low. So there happens to be a great number of women in the front row. Oh, hello, young miss. Why don't you come on stage? Oh, hello, young miss. Why don't you come on stage? Oh, hello, young miss's friend. Why don't you come? So for all of a sudden, there's, I don't know, 15 girls on stage, and one of them decides to take their clothes off. Now, I'm not one stop. I'm here. Well, I'm a First Amendment uh, kind of person. So, you know, by all means, young lady, you go right ahead. <laughs> uh, needless to say, there was an orgy on stage, and I happened to be the lead singer. So <laughs> I can't tell you, I don't know how many people I was with on the stage, on the stage, not backstage, during the show. Uh, I don't know how many people have had intercourse during the show, but there it was. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I immediately, you know, well, again, that was just a crazy night. And that's just, we play six nights a week, usually, you know, sometimes seven. But every night there's just some, so when you say tell a road story, it's hard, it's hard to tell it in story form. It's like when, you know, it, it, at least I, it's just another night that, what something happened. <laughs> you know, I mean, and I got to say, I loved every minute of it. I really did. I, I truly <laughs> thrived on it. It was so much fun. We had, you know, it was just over the top, crazy. And uh, I got to tell you, the people, you know, they, they, they were nice, friendly, loving people. <laughs> <laughs> How mind blowing does it truly get? I mean, like, especially back at that time when when the music scene was like so thriving and. Um, you know, like you said, you guys are on like amazing tour, and you're on MTV, and, and everything like is just falling right in place for you. And the girls are just throwing themselves at their feet. Like you, you got like among other places. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Do you, like, how many times did you really just stop and be like, "Is this real? Like, is this really going on?" You know, it's kind of cool uh, when we went on the road. We had, number one, we, all four of us were friends. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, we went to school together. We all lived within one square mile of town in Paramus, New Jersey. PJ was from just a couple towns away. So, you know, we, had, we were tight as brothers even before our first recording contract. Uh, it, you know, our, that, that's number one. Number two, the crew we had with us were basically friends. 
you know. Uh, my drum tech at the time, Vinny Joya, I lived at his house for crying out loud. You know, his, his parents were like my parents. You know what I mean? So the dynamic between all of us was something really cool. It wasn't like, oh, we're the bosses, and now you're going to have to work for it. It wasn't like that, you know. It was, it, it was like we're all friends. It was really special. And one thing we never did, when things started to happen like that, I remember signing my first autograph in Boston, Massachusetts, uh, where, where a stranger walked up to me and said, hey, man, can I get your autograph? I was like, wow, you know, that's pretty wild. And the thing is, when we did it all together, we always kept each other in check. You know, we, we, were, we were aware of the fact that we were young. We uh, realized things were starting to happen, but we kept a pretty level head about it. We weren't drug users. We barely drank. We only started drinking, really, until when we got on the warrant tour. <laughs> they forced us to start drinking. But, you know, we really approached it with a pretty level head. And uh, whenever we saw anything ever flare out of somebody's mouth, they got whacked with a pillow fest. And, you know what I mean? You were always on guard. And it, we, we didn't let it go crazy, number one. But when you start seeing it, we were with our friends. We were with our brothers. So right. we experienced it together. When we were on stage and we saw, let's say, 30,000 people in a crowd, we'd look at each other and go, holy shit. And we did it together. You know what yeah. I mean? Uh, we had each other on different levels, like, you know, not, not only just backing your brother up in a fight sort of thing, but even on an emotional thing. You know, it, it may sound weird, but when you start doing that next level stuff, you're like, holy crap, like you said, holy cow, is this real? It's like you got each other to freaking do it together. And that, that grounds you, I think. You know what I mean? And uh, uh, I, th- I think our guitarist, Steve Brown, has said it, said it best. We've experienced every dream we ever had a hundred times over, and it's, it's really the truth. And I think even the fact that we get to play these days and have that same experience, do things like Rock Lahoma or Rock Fest or uh, Three Rivers uh, Fest, stuff like that, you know, all, all the big shows we've opened yeah. up for uh, even just the past 10 years. You know how many freaking huge bands we've opened up in the past 10 years? Ted Nugent, Cinderella, Scorpions, Vince Neil. Uh, I, I can't even think of them all. I, I, I'm forgetting, I don't know how many. It's just too yeah. many to count, man. Uh, but the fact that we're doing a poison, Boston, uh, I, I can't even talk. I, you know, it's, it's so many, <laughs> so many. You, I mean, you've seen it. I, I don't even know what yeah. to say. It's crazy. So the idea that we get a second chance today to do it is like a gift from God. And, sure. you know, it's, it's living those dreams all over again. And to do it older, and everyone we know is now 20, 25 years older. It's weird, you know? <laughs> so to get that perspective and to look at it from a different vantage point and to have the opportunity to do that again, you know, it, it's some guys think that, oh, it goes to your head. It doesn't have to go to your head, you know? It should go to your heart. And that's something really cool. Uh, I heard a story that uh, Brian May and John Bon Jovi did uh, some jam thing together. I think they were in England. It was a huge state. I think it was Wembley Stadium. And, you know, like 100,000 people or something crazy like that. And they were on stage, and I think Brian May turned to John Bon Jovi, and he looks and says, are you taking this all in, man? You know, it's like the perfect time to look at what the hell you're doing and say, holy crap, before it's over, you know, to really, you know, stop for a moment, look, and not just play the part but really take it in. And I think we've had the, I've learned from guys like that that tell the story. Like, you know, God knows how many times we play a show. We may be on for 40 minutes, hour and a half. It's over in like five minutes. 
You know what I mean? And then, uh, you know, six months from now, you look back when you did that show, it's like, oh, man, I barely remember the whole thing. You know, it's, it's kind of weird. We always had some great guidance. We always had some great backup between ourselves as brothers. So to, 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 we, I, one thing I can say, I have truly treasured the experience, and I look forward to the next time I do it. And it, it truly is a gift from God, that not only the first time, that we get to do it again. And again, Absolutely. and again, it's like, and, and you know what, man, when people see me stand up there and I point my finger, I just take a look out in the crowd and, 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 and man, it, it's not just show. It's like, yeah, I'm freaking really digging that. I'm really freaking digging that. It's, it's the reason why we got into this whole thing, man. You know, magazine and MTV and crap, you know, that, that sure, sure, it's cool. Hell yeah, I love it. But the real love. Is playing for the people and playing those shows, man. I mean, I, I smack the living fucking shit out of the drums because I can't figure out any other way to express myself to all the people that are going fucking crazy. That's what it's yeah. all about, dude. It's what it's all about, man. Has anybody ever, like, said to you guys, too, like, I, I, you guys, I would say, are truly the ones responsible for the whole, um, uh, the flannel grunge look of the 90s. I mean, you guys were there before Nirvana did. Yeah, it's funny. Someone just recently brought that up to me also. Uh, they, they, they said, okay, who's the guys that really started it? And I don't, I, I'm, I don't have to say we did it or they did it. All you have to do is look at MTV. And who was the first one in a large media format to bring it to the forefront of what was going on? And we had Give It To Me Good in 1990. Uh, I'm trying to think when we filmed it. When it actually came out on MTV around September, I think, 1990. Now, who else was wearing flannels prior to September 1990? I mean, you know who the answer is? Nobody. Nobody. You're damn right. So Dude, I, you know, I, I remember I, it, we, when that video came out. I remember, you know, I was 20 years old at the time, and I remember saying to myself, "Holy shit! I haven't worn a flannel shirt in probably 10 years." But shit, that looks cool as fuck. And that's you know, <laughs> I'm going out and I'm buying a flannel shirt. You know, <laughs> you guys made the market wasn't ready for it, man. <laughs> Too funny. Too freaking funny. It is crazy, right? I, I mean, honestly, I want to go out and buy a couple myself for my next show. I want to chop the sleeves <laughs> off or something, you know. But uh, yeah, I, I, I haven't worn one in a long time. I really haven't. But I think I got to get back to the roots. <laughs> there you go. And honestly, if I work in Arizona, if I chop the sleeves off, so that'll probably that'll probably work good. I'm gonna have to give, give that a try. I'm gonna go down to Walmart or something. Go <laughs> <laughs> local Walmart, buy some flannels, cut the sleeves off, and go out and shoot some yeah, guns. Yeah, it's like when you get in flannel shirts, you don't have to go to a Richie store. <laughs> you, know, you can just get your own garden variety twelve ninety nine freaking shirt. That'll do. Rock. You know? <laughs> Now, something on a, on a serious note, I wanted to, to ask you about was um, why <laughs> you know because you are like always like the happy go lucky guy and always you know you're always pedal to the metal. You really are. But well, shit, man, that's the way to go. I'm open. Any questions? No holds barred. Go right ahead. What are your uh, What are your thoughts on uh, the whole uh, thing with Chester Bennington and Chris Cornell? Are you referring to some kind of uh, insight they might have had with regard to the hierarchy or something like that? I think maybe because they had the insight tip on uh, the upsurgence of Atlantic City that could be happening. I don't know. Number one, I got to say, on behalf of, of my knowledge of any such thing, I do not know. 
I honestly do not know. And I didn't know those guys very well. I really did not. I wasn't part of their camp. So as far as their backgrounds and the people they interacted with, I really do not have firsthand knowledge of anything. I really don't. Uh, so I, I don't want to misspeak. Uh, sure. by this, that, that being said, I'm going to say anything's a possibility. And when it comes to conspiracies and things of that nature, I find those things of great interest. Uh, more often than not, and this is what I find more interesting than anything, whether you believe in a conspiracy or not, more often than not, these quote-unquote conspiracy theories tend to have more proof proving that the conspiracy is a, a reality as opposed to just some fabricated crap. There's more proof that supports the idea that the conspiracy is an actual event as opposed to having proof against it. That, that things like that I find most interesting, and they deserve more light, and they're so easily dismissed by the public as, oh, you're just a conspiracy theorist. You think everything's a scam. But, uh, this, uh, you, know what, you know what I'm saying? I think right. if people stop being spoon-fed the crap that they listen to or really just start thinking for themselves a little bit more, and particularly with the age of the Internet, I guess that can be a double-edged sword. You can find out great information. There's a lot of disinformation out there as well. But if you use your head about something, give something a little bit of thought, and don't just accept some of the facts that people stick in your face. Let me give you an example. Uh, a lot of people don't – and this is some real controversial stuff, but if I say something that sounds a little off weirdness to you, to you the listeners, just – do just the bare minimum research. Go to Google and ask the question, all right? Uh, I'm going back to World War II. People that don't not necessarily from how long ago that was, World War II was approximately between 1938 and the end of 1945. There was this guy by the name of Adolf Hitler who was in command of the German, uh, of, of, his self-proclaimed chancellor of Germany and started to, uh, the, uh, what, what headed up what they referred to as the Axis Forces. Uh, a lot of people don't know how he necessarily came to power. That he was just some guy, and to, to give you an idea, back at that time, Germany was coming off of World War I, which they lost. They were in a very severe depression, and the people of Germany were really hungering for something. They, they didn't know what to do. They were desperate to get out of the They were in a real crappy situation, and they were, they were, they, they were hungry for somebody to take the leadership reins and, and move up. And somebody in America, saw this as an opportunity. They said, if we could put somebody in the right spot, maybe put the right kind of money behind it, we can, we can, we can start ourselves a little conflict. We can, we can focus the efforts of Germany and maybe do something with that. Maybe start a little conflict, and maybe some, some of, these, uh, some of the uh, banks could uh, invest some capital, and we can make some long-term reparations. We could uh, maybe get some real fast defense contracts. You see what I'm getting at here? Uh, someone like that in a country of that state at that time, they didn't have the money to build roads, to build tanks, to arm uh, militias, to, to create a Nazi empire. You need capital investors or something like that. Where would that capital come from? Where do you think that money came from? Somebody Google, I shouldn't name certain names, somebody Google American banks and Nazi and see what comes up. Because I'm telling you what, when you, when you want to talk about some weird stuff, it started a long time ago. And believe me, my hearts go out to the families of Chris Cornell and Chester Bennington. It's a horrible thing to have a loss of such talent as so, you know, long before that, 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 that ticket should have been pulled. And that's, that's a terrible thing. To think for a moment that it might have been done because of some knowledge they had about something, some insight they may have to have about a reality. Not a conspiracy, but a reality. That bothers me. 
And this sort of thing has been happening for a long, long time. And a lot of people do not realize that. So if you think that maybe back in the times of World War II, people were pulling strings on a huge magnitude to start wars that weren't actual conflicts, what the hell do you think they're doing now? So when someone asks me, what do you think about Chris Cornell and Mr. Bennington and, and, and their possible involvement or possible conspiracy theory, possible? You better freaking believe it. I think anything is possible. And if people really knew some of the truth about America, woo doggy. I'm going to get myself in trouble. I get phone. I'm going to grab my AR-15. This, this is a problem. I, I, I just want to know what. what the hell you're drinking because I want some. I haven't started drinking yet, but you want me to? I will. This this, this interview got real interesting. I'll tell you what. Well, you know, I, I, you know, some of these things may sound a little shocking. They may sound a little weird, but you know what's really the weirdest thing of all? The truth. You you ask some historians about just an inkling of what I'm talking about. They're going to give you an earful. You think I'm I'm saying stuff? I'm actually. Reaching in for my AR-15. Again, the strangest thing that I've always encountered in life, you know, like, like you said before, uh, what's it like to take it all in, the rock and roll thing and all that, it, the, the craziest part about it was the reality. Like the things that you don't think would happen. The crazy right. nights that are like so far beyond the things that exceeded your dreams. And that's reality. Uh, you could think of, like, the worst, uh, if you were a movie producer and you wanted to make a crazy movie, you know what's worse? Reality. So, you know, I, I mean, anything's no, possible. Really... And it's sad that I even have to preface it in such a fashion. Gee, you got me all serious now, dude. Now I'm going to have a drink right. crying out loud. Jesus no, Christ. A- absolutely, though, but you bring up an interesting point. Let's, let's look at the... Uh, let's look at the Chester and Cornell thing from a different point of view. You know, it's 2017, and we're not supposed to talk in stereotypes anymore. That's kind of, you know, out of fashion. But there is something, I think, to be said for the sad clown, the struggling artist. They're from one, you know, you're in a very similar situation with experiencing extreme highs in fame and experiencing normal life. Um how does that affect them on a on a mental level? How does it change them? And, and because from the outside, you know, people like me and Bay and sort of your everyday Joes, we look in that direction and we see guys that sort of have it all. How could they possibly be, you know, depressed enough to take their life? But but it is a, a stereotype that has stuck around for a thousand years. You you know what I mean? So there must be some truth in it, right? Okay, well, hold on, hold on. Look, number one, every every case is, can, can possibly be different. You have to consider that as a possibility. That's number one. Now, I'll ask a question at this point. Uh, I find it very strange, or maybe, maybe I should ask, ask you guys, do you guys find it strange that every major rock star, pop star, uh, how, how, many, how many people can you think of of great fame died of natural causes? Let's let's listen. How about right? Elvis? Absolutely. Michael Jackson. Uh, somebody help me. Uh, who got shot? Who jumped out of a window? Who? Uh, right. Marilyn Monroe. JFK. I mean, let, let's 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 make a list. Let's make a freaking list. Now, some might say, well, you know, to the fame, the this, to that, the that, the that. I don't necessarily subscribe to that point of view. And let me say another thing. Fame at the onset, it has its, it, it affects different people differently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what? 
after 20 years of just being in your level of blah, 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 you know what I'm saying? Dude, I'm a regular cat. And I don't think everybody's like me. And not everybody handles it the same way and all that blah, blah, blah. But I think as time goes on, not only do you make peace with any demons you may have, I think you learn how to run your life. And when you see the rate of frequency in which certain celebs are dying of unnatural causes, you have to consider the possibility that there might be something else at work. Again, the pot, and again, that's not forever. I'm not saying every suicide is is, is uh, some staged event or something. That's not what I'm saying. All I'm saying, you, you ask a question, I, I'm trying to shed some light in, in different areas, you know. And if you're gonna if you're gonna just uh, dismiss this, oh, they're still in such that that would be ignorant. I think that would be ignorant to just throw a blanket over all the cases and say blah. To think that maybe something else is at work, and the question is why. Why would they want to take their lives, you know? And it's my understanding in both cases, Cornell and uh, Bennington, that they were quite happy. Everything was a regular day. There wasn't any extreme pressure. They had just people that were with them just hours prior. said everything was fine. There was no, oh, you know, any no uh, cataclysmic events in a personal nature or anything like that. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So there are questions. There's a lot of questions. Why would a Michael Jackson die? Why would a Prince die? Why would, why, would, why would these things happen? And I don't necessarily have the answer. But if anything, I've got some pretty good questions, I think. You know what I'm saying? I don't really know what to say. I Again, I didn't know them personally. I really did not. So, I, you know, I don't want to misspeak and, and act as if I'm an authority on something that I'm not. Uh, I just think it's a freaking shame. Yeah. And to think that it might be a force outside of themselves, that, that's something that really would be a terrible, terrible thing, uh, you, you know, to think that uh, something like that might, might even be a poppy. Who would think of such a thing? Why, why would somebody bring up the, any conspiracy theory like that I, I, if, if there wasn't some hint of some possible, you know what I'm saying? Right. I mean, a guy killed himself, killed himself, oh, you know what happened there? Where the hell would you get some weird idea? You know what I'm saying? Where the hell would something like that come from? Because somebody suggested it? You see what I'm saying? So I, 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 I mean, I'm curious, and part of me don't want to be curious. I'm a little indifferent about it. And bottom line, if it is some other third party or something, that, that, would, that would infuriate me. That would, and it keeps me in Arizona. <laughs> to find uh, firearm laws that we have here, I'm very, very happy and secure. Well, we have um, we got five callers on the phone waiting to talk to you. Um, well, what about holes? Very busy. We're talking about a very important hold. subject matter right here. Oh, they are holding. We, okay, put them. They are. They've been on hold. Yeah, they've been on hold for uh, some. I got to Can we put them all through at the same time? That would be confusing. Oh, that would be, that'd, that'd be yeah, that'd be messed up. Yes, yeah, don't yeah. do that. Okay, Bay, it's your show. Let it roll. Well, how about this? Because uh, we're going to give away a pair of your drumsticks. So, how do you want to do this? Like, do you want to do the best question or? Oh, we're giving you a pair of my drumsticks. <laughs> okay, I don't want my drumsticks. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. I don't care. You know, let's do it, man. Let's, you know, let's give away two pairs. Let's give away two pairs. All right, all right. Let's do it. You know what? Right. Three pair. My final offer. Let's give away three pairs. <laughs> I, mean, right, I, I, I think I better have a drink. Holy crap. Can you imagine if I had like a Red Bull and vodka right now? Holy oh crap. My oh, my I Lord. My, 
I think I, yeah, well, anyway. All right, go ahead. Uh, you know what? Right, I, I should stop sleeping altogether. This will be great. Let's welcome okay, caller so number time. one here to the air. Caller number one. You're live on the air. Who's this? This is Ashley. Hello, Ashley. 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 Ashley, are you over 18? Yes, I am. All right, Ashley. <laughs> How you doing? Good. How are you? All right. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Arizona. From from what? From what? Arizona. Uh, well, really? Are you yeah. are you that girl next door? <laughs> <laughs> well, how are you, Ron? How long how long have you lived in Arizona? Six months. Oh, really? Where are you from originally? Uh, Utah. Utah. Ooh, Utah. Mm, there's, some, there's some Nordic girls in Utah. Mercy Lord, mercy Lord. They're not all Mormons. Yes, they are. They're not all Mormons. I'll say that. <laughs> Tell me, what is your question, my dear? Um, I, was, I have two questions, actually. Oh, well, look at this. See? She's already cheating. Look at this. Look at this. Now she's got two questions. Um... My first question is, do you have a girlfriend? Oh, well. I wish I did. You wish you did? Yeah, I wish I did. Oh. Well, <laughs> then again, I, I don't know what Bay is doing tonight. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna fly him out and give him a blood transfusion inside the next twelve hours. So, you know, anything anything can happen from that point on. What, what, I hate to ask, what is your what is your second question? National Are you family. interested in someone at any moment? I I think we should sever the lines here, Bay. Just this one, please. Oh, well, I can't hear you. Can you say say that again, please? <laughs> Am I interested in somebody? Uh, yes. Yeah, He's just interested in everybody. You Let's know, it's really way. weird. I, I, I'll give you. I'll give you some background. Uh, I was. Mo- I'm. Uh, I went through a, a real crappy divorce. Uh, I was in divorce court for three years, if you can believe that. Uh, which is completely ridiculous to think that someone that you really held very dear that uh, at some point. And I'm a pretty loose kind of cat. The idea that I probably couldn't have come to a settlement without going to court for three freaking years. Yeah, think about I mean, if you couldn't score a deal with me, it's like, you know what? We got some real problems here. So, uh the idea of a relationship at this time, there was somebody I was with for for, for a long time and uh I guess I I must say I'm pretty uh pretty upset over the fact that uh we're not together anymore. But uh I guess that's life and right now I'm happy doing what I'm doing. To be honest with you, I've I've been delving into a lot of work and been pretty busy lately. So I don't know how good of yeah. a boyfriend I'd really be. I really don't know how good of a boyfriend I would be. But uh, when the time is right, who knows? We'll we'll, we'll see. I tell you what. Give me a call six months from now. We'll see how we're doing. Yeah, let's schedule another one six months from now, and we'll start fielding calls for for the dating. I, I was going to say, when you come on that okay. to promote the Christmas EP, then, uh, yeah, that we'll actually call back then. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, Ashley, well, Ashley's in Arizona. This, this might. You know what? I, I just may have an availability. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna put Ashley on hold. I like the sound of Ashley. Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you for calling. I really appreciate it. 
All right, next one is area code 818 out there, and that's California. California, baby. Bring it, L.A. Who's this? Hi, how are you? This is Shannon. Hey, Shannon. Oh, Shannon. Wait, wait. Hi, Shannon. Are you over 18, Shannon? Yes, I am. Shannon, yeah, we have a winner. (laughs) (laughs) How are you guys doing today? I don't care what her question is. Give her a pair of drumsticks. She's she eight one eight. She's a California woman. That's a winner right there. She's a California so girl. They all could be California. <laughs> a Shannon's from the eight one eight. How you doing? Tell me, what is your question, my dear? I am fabulous. Um, my question is: rumor is that you're doing a Christmas album. What inspired you to do that? Because I always think of you as the rocker drummer. Uh, well, oh well, thanks. Uh, you know, this kind of weird. This this may sound weird. Uh, I, 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 a lot of people may not uh, know. I just completed a uh, a Christmas album of all things. It sounds kind of weird, but I'm playing trumpet on it. Okay, that sounds weird too. Before I even played drums, I was uh, a, I was a uh, I was a New Jersey All State player for uh, the, uh, the the state of New Jersey, and, and we I was part of the orchestra and stuff like that. Uh, I, I was. Uh, I guess what is better known as a band fag. <laughs> and uh, I, I got in, I went to the University of Hartford, the Hart School of Music, did uh, composition training, played with some major conductors and orchestras and things like that. I recorded three double albums of classical music. And uh, I guess at a certain point, I kind of sold my trumpet for cymbal money and, 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 and went by way of the dark side of the force. But uh, I more recently got... Uh, I, I, I got together with our singer Pete Lauren, and he's got a studio at his house, and I uh, put together some tracks, and I'll be putting out a uh, solo CD uh, come out, coming out this Thanksgiving. For it's going to be a Christmas album, and it, uh, I'm pretty proud of it. it sounds pretty wild. It, it gets a little early to really start promoting it, so to speak, but uh, yeah, it's 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 true, and uh, it's something really cool. And I threw out a taste on my fan pages just to give people an idea, and the response has been overwhelmingly positive, you know, I, I, I thought there'd be more weirdness towards it. I mean, it, I think it's a weird thing personally, you know, some crazy rock guys putting out a trumpet record, like what, you know, it almost sounds like it's weird out, weird out Yankovic oriented, but it's not, I mean, it's serious. I've got a symphony on here and I've got some Christmas songs and there's some great harmonies and, and I, 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 it's really a real deal Christmas record. And uh, I, I, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm very, very excited about putting it out. Uh, so, yeah, uh, time will come. Uh, keep in touch with my website, markgusscott.com. It'll have all the updates. But, again, I really am not on the big push for that at this point. It's still a little early. But I did finish recording. It's done. And uh, we're going through the PR moves now and setting up a marketing calendar. And uh, we're going to have a real strong push on this thing. It's uh, very exciting, very exciting. Well, thank you for that. I look forward to listening to it. Uh, well, well, one thing's right. I've got to get out to L.A. We gotta go play. Where 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 in uh, where in California are exactly? Uh, Terminal. You know, I'm all, where, where's that? <laughs> North Northridge. Northridge. Yes, sir. I think I'm only about five hours from that area. Hmm. Uh, and you said you're over eighteen. I am well over eighteen. Okay, let's put this young lady on standby. Can we do that, babe? Let's. Uh, we have we have two guys. One Arizona, now one California. God damn, they're all. I love I love the West. God bless. Yeah, come on. <laughs> All right, Shannon. Hang, hang, hang on, well, Shannon. Yo, she, uh, she wanted a pair of those drumsticks. There you Let's go, Shannon. Let's get her dressing. She, she's a winner. Winner. <laughs> I wish they all could be California. Shannon, Shannon if you're in, are you in Washington? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. 
I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. You guys are talking. Are, are you in Mark's Facebook group? Uh, yes, sir. I think I am. Uh, have you seen me post uh, stuff in there? The links for tonight's show and all. My name is Bay Raggy. Uh-huh. Uh, if you can just message oh. me your address. Oh, I can I don't give it on. Yeah, whoa, 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 dude, get her no, on. No, no. Oh, you don't, you on gotta, you, like, uh, oh, okay, yeah, PM, PM. Yeah, message me okay, on no, Facebook, no, no, no. and I'll get your addresses where we can send you out a pair of sticks. And congratulations. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that very much. You guys have a wonderful thank day. Thank you for calling, Shannon. How's the weather in California? Uh, it's fabulous. It's only it's 93. No, it's 93. Oh, Nice, nice. We had a big monsoon come through here this afternoon. Big lightning and thunder. Crazy. Now it's gone. It's beautiful out. Yeah, we'll leave it there then. All righty. All right. Thank you for calling. Thank and you. congratulations on the drumsticks. I will be sure to seal them with a kiss. Oh, well, thank you very much. I appreciate that tremendously. <laughs> <laughs> so when, when is your 19th birthday? Um, actually, I do this weekend. Is it really? I'm doing okay. it in dog years now. It's easier. Oh, so you're actually 147? How does that work? <laughs> that, that's my turn. <laughs> Thank you for calling. I really appreciate it. And, uh, we love California. Yeah, totally Driven Radio loves California. Absolutely. Yeah, well, you, you too. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. She's All right, we're in dog years. How many years is the now, dog years? It's seven or ten. I, you know, I failed math. My, my, I, my balls get broken by my family all the time because I took basic math three years in a row in high school. So, what's that tell you? Um, that tells me <laughs> you have broken balls. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> we're going. It looks like we're going to go back to Arizona because here's another eight one eight caller. Eight one eight. Wait, eight one eight is California. Or eight eight oh one. I'm sorry, eight oh one. Is eight oh one Arizona? That's what the other one was. Hello, who's this? Oh, is that right? Oh, hello. Hello. Dead air. Hello. Nick, Nick this is the part where you talk. Hello. Oh, there's someone. Hello? Yeah, who's this? Hello? Can you hear me? I don't. Yeah, why? Can you hear me? Yep, who's this? Can you hear me now? You must be a right. Hi, hello. Hello. Hi. Hi, who's this? How are you? Good. This Who's is this? Tina. Who is it? Oh, hold it. Are you over 18, Tina? Way over 18. Are you younger than 55? Uh, I'll be 46 two weeks from tonight. Oh, an experienced woman. Ho, ho, ho. And how are you, my dear? Good. How are you? Very good. Tell me, well, how can we help you today? I actually got it's like more of a three part quest a three part thing. Oh my god, okay, look at this. Reminds all, me of that scene from Back to School. We only have one question in twenty seven parts. <laughs> go go right ahead. What is your a, several okay. questions? It is a three way question there, Mark. A three way okay, question? Yes. Okay, yeah. Oh. I follow you uh-huh. on Facebook, of course. And I see you oh, play the you. trumpet a lot. Thank you. How would you feel if you got nominated by a fan to do the national anthem at an event? In another how, state, how would that make you feel? I it would be fantastic. I'd be proud to play the national anthem. I played, I played in a bathroom. Uh, let her love some other side. I'd love to. I'd go on tour playing it. Why do you ask such a question? I was just asking, just wondering. 
Oh, yeah. I, oh, I totally do it. I, all kidding aside, you know what? It, it's, I think as I get older, the things that used to get me off as a kid, it changes. You know what I mean? And it, this may sound weird. If I were a 21-year-old kid, say, how do you feel about playing the National Anthem? Like, all right. And I was in the high school band. I played the National Anthem. I played taps at cemeteries, things like that. But to do it now, it means so much more. Uh, it, it, it's, it's very strange uh, I think when I was younger, uh, the idea of defending the country doesn't mean what it means to me today. I think uh, the more education, the older I get, the more mature I get, the things that I really take close to heart altered substantially from when I was 20-something years old. So when someone, I mean, just thinking about it now, I play the national anthem in another state, someone calls me to come on out and play, oh, dude, I'm, I'm there. On my own dime, I'm there. You know what I mean? I, I would that that uh, it, it would be a privilege or an honor. And uh, you know, more recently, it was just uh, Veterans Day. Was a Veterans Memorial Day, and uh, I, I played Taps at Cemetery. And it was the you know what? I, I, they offered to pay me. I come keep the money. I don't want nothing. You know, the, the the reward of doing it is the true reward, not not the monetary gain. And man, I can't tell you how good it made me feel just to do that. You know, so to do something joyous like the national anthem. Dude, bring it. That's what I'm talking about. Bring it. Totally into it. What was that? Just part one of the question? <laughs> nope. And then I then I want you to to describe yours and Pete's friendship in one word. <laughs> I can make a few good jokes, but I'm very hesitant to do so. Uh, our friendship in one word. Yeah, I see you guys go at it on Facebook, giving each other crap. I'm uh, just curious. I'm... Yeah, no, no, I mean, yeah, you know, there's some people that think that there's a major rift between us, and no, we do that, and it's complete fun. Uh, I even started, now that he's going to hate me for saying this, I, I even started something, the I Hate Pete Lauren fan club. <laughs> I do that purely I out of jest. I, I actually thought about making a page and making it total good, but you know what, I do it purely out of fun, and he zings me back and makes fun of me, and, it, it, you know, that's just, I, I think a lot of cats don't do that, and, you know, uh, we, we see the reaction, and we get off on it ourselves, even if nobody were laughing, you know, it's the idea of posting out there to the public to say some naughty things to each other, you know, I think it's freaking hysterical, you know, and the fact that everybody else gets in on the joke, that's what makes it fun, you know, we share the fun times with everybody, you know, nobody's excluded. It's not that it's like our inside joke for everybody. Everybody's on the inside on it. So, and that's what makes it fun. And yeah, if I had to describe our friendship in one word, it's brotherhood. Uh, Crowned like good with brotherhood from sea to shining city. Uh, and we used to live in New Jersey. Now we're in Arizona together. And you know, not together. I don't get the wrong idea. But you know, he lives about twenty-five minutes away. <laughs> oh, easy now. You know. So. Anyway, yeah, so there it is. Yeah. It, was that part two? Yeah, and then one other thing, the band that we've, one of the first bands that me and my sister seen you with is in concert here Saturday night. Oh, who's that? Firehouse. Oh, oh our brother's Firehouse. Please send them my fondest regards and give them a slap on the ass from the old dust kid, if you don't mind. <laughs> yeah, I think it's I, almost sold out. One. Uh, oh, shit, God bless Firehouse. I love yeah, and then the next week, Jack Russell. What's that? The next week's the Jack Russell 
Great wife. Oh, I'm so, come on, you're talking about my friendships. These are bands we've played with 20-some-odd years ago and more recently. Uh, matter of fact, I think Jack's coming to the Arizona area in the next month or so. So, uh, yeah. Dude, tell Firehouse to get their ass to Arizona. I want to see a Firehouse show. I'll do that if you tell Trickster to come to Utah. We will come in Utah. I mean, we will come to Utah. Yes. <laughs> we'll, we'll do both. <clears throat> With Firehouse. <laughs> I will not come on Firehouse. What? No, 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 no. <laughs> <Is> my what? <laughs> oh. Hello? Hello? Oh, you know, let's give her some drumsticks, too. <coughs> Please send a self-addressed stamped envelope with $2.50 shipping and handling. No, seriously. Can, 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 I'm sorry, your name one is Tina? Tina. Yes. Hi, Tina. Tina. Uh, let's make sure, me, uh, that we get Tina's address as well, because she yeah. sounds like a sweetheart. And, and you know what? Anybody who cites America as, 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 a, as an aspiration, I want her to be recognized. God bless America. Tina, you've got Actually, my here. best friend does that, too. My best friend slash sister. Your best friend too. what? She does it, too. She does she what, too? She supports the troops and everything. Oh, oh cool. God bless. God, you, you can give her one of the sticks. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I will. Oh, well, yeah, we'll Tina, send me a message there. on okay. Facebook with, uh, with your address. This way we can get those sticks out for you. All righty. Will right. you very much for calling on. Just I to really the totally driven thing. Thank you so much for your yeah, support. Absolutely. You can just do it right there. Always. We'll never, ever stop supporting you, Mark. Ever. Oh, thank you. That's really sweet, Arnie. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for calling. All right. Before we get to the next caller, I just, uh, Mark, I, I just want to say your fans are truly amazing. They really are. Dude, I'm, you know, I'm very fortunate in many ways. And I think one thing, it's a, you know, here's a weird thing. Uh, you give, when people give you love, when you give love back, it grows exponentially. And yeah. I, that's one thing I think Trickster always did that was a little different than most other bands. A lot of bands avoided the contact thing. We delved into it. And maybe at times some people might say maybe strategically wasn't a good move that you wanted to keep a little separation kind of thing. And you know what? We, we really blew right through those road barriers. <laughs> I remember playing arenas. And we'd go out and hang out with the fans, and they had food for us. We'd sit on, like, the side of the arena of a lawn and, and, like, have picnics with, like, a couple hundred people, you know? <laughs> so we made family. We made family. And, uh, you know, and, and, you know th- th- how can you ignore love? I think that's really amazing, uh, even after all this time, you know? And uh, I don't know. I, I, some of these people I've known for 30 years, some of these people are brand new. And just, you know, that's the fact that they're still into it. God, they're still into it. That's you awesome. know, they come to the shows. They want to run on Facebook. And sometimes they say even stupid little things, you know, but they're thinking about you. And, and it, it, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing, you know. And uh, I, I think one thing they know is that their support does not go by unrecognized. I, I can't tell you how much my cuff truly runneth over, and it's much appreciated, really taken to heart. Cool. All right, so we have uh, our next caller. Actually, is a, a Pennsylvania number, I'm pretty sure. Area code five. Hey, yeah, there we go, Pennsylvania. Yeah, what, five what's, seven what's your area code? Five, five seven, seven zero? zero? Yep. Hello. Five seven zero. Five seven zero. Five. Hello, five hello, hello, hello. Who's hello, that? Hey, guys, it's hey, guys, it's Danielle. Hey, Danielle. Oh, oh, oh Danielle. <laughs> I, I won't say, last name start with an S, S, and stop. 
Yes, it does, darling, and you know uh, that. Oh, <laughs> is one of the fine family friends of Trickster, Miss Danielle. How are you, my dear? How are you She's doing, sweetheart? The, this, we're talking to the general of the Mark Gus Scott American Army. <laughs> That's right. You got when that it comes right, to dude. launching the tirade on the I Hate Pete Lawrence fan club, this is the general in charge. This is the Schwarzkopf right here. I'm just waiting for orders. I'm just waiting for orders. I got a couple orders for you. I got a couple orders for you. Yeah, I think you do. You need to get your butt back to Pennsylvania. Oh man, I gotta get. I gotta get out Pennsylvania. Mm, mm. I need. I need Um, a complete debriefing. Oh yes, absolutely. Um, I did have a question though. Actually, I'm gonna put you on the spot on on the air. Um, A couple of uh, a couple of my trickster sisters and I wanted to know. if we can expect any further jam videos um, from you and Dom and John, um, like the one that you sent us last year on the fan page after the yeah. uh, 4th of July party. I vaguely recall it, but you know what's funny? Just <laughs> more, more recently, we actually had a really crazy jam session. I was with Wild McBrown from Dokken. Oh, he, he was singing and playing bass. Right off the bat, that sounds completely crazy, right? Uh, Dominic was playing uh, guitar, and I was on drums. And I'm thinking, was Sal with us that night? I can't, you know, it gets a little foggy. But I think there was our buddy Sal. He was playing guitar with us also. And, dude, let me tell you something. Not one rehearsal. Didn't even plan the song. We just called out some chords, and I can't tell you how Mick ripped the roof off the house. Man. Holy Then you need to crap. post the video. Uh, I do. I swear to God, I wish to God we videotaped that one. That was on fire, dude. He's a. He, he, it just goes to show you. Forget about vocal ability. I mean, he can sing, but dude, the the thing that really brought the charisma was Mick. He was Mick all the way, and he really just let loose on this thing, man. And he, he, you never saw a frontman like this. He just had so. He was so over the top and so so exuding awesomeness. That when I stopped playing, I said, I can't even believe we just played that. That was just, it made the whole room rock. And we were on fire. On fire. Wish to God that was taped. We should have had a four camera shoot on that one. I swear to God. Uh, it, uh, we should put together a group with him as the front man, and it would be stellar. I mean, I can't even, I can't even get. So, in the answer to your question, I promise you we will film something soon. Uh, when I don't know. Mick's been flying around a lot. Uh, I've been intermittently busy. We haven't. I jammed with Dominic a couple of weeks ago uh, for a little while, and I like playing with Dominic. I, I like Dominic a lot. He's been a very good friend, and uh, and he, he's got a great guitar tone. He's a great player. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, we got we got to get back to the jam thing. I think you know what? I think we're overdue for a party. I said, oh, he was talking about a party. I gotta, I gotta give him a call. I, I, I gotta give him a call. Let me, let me see if we can set something up. And uh, yes, we will have to uh, do some kind of performance and maybe do a live feed from the party at Dominic's house. How does that sound? That That's what we gotta do. Epic. So we'll do the party. We'll go in the pool. We'll freaking do the hang thing. We'll do shot contest, and then we'll do the jam thing. Nice. That sounds epic. That's what we're gonna do. How are the troops? Everybody okay? Everybody's great. All right. Please tell Private Mibs that uh, you know that, that the Commander Chief uh, sends the warmest regards, and I hope all is that Private Mibs well, or Private Mibs? Yes, Michelle actually... Mibs, our very, she's oh. a very, very, very loyal, loyal private in the army. 
Yeah, she's actually listening right now, and she's probably passing out by the fact that you called her out. Well, God bless (laughs) Miss Nib. I want to thank you for being part of the constituency. To our uh, Lord and Fewer, Marcus Scott. (laughs) Always and forever, sweetie. You know that. Thank you for calling, Danielle. You know I love you, hon. Thank you so much for calling. Yep. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye, hon. All right, we got... We have actually, there's two calls on here, but I'm pretty sure I have a feeling one of them is my next guest who's waiting patiently. But this oh, one. I, have I overstayed my welcome? Uh, no. If you've got <laughs> slots, dude, I don't want to screw you up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we have one more call. I don't want to, like, screw the. the uh, one more. Go for yeah. it. So, area code 385, it is. Who's this? I don't know where the hell that is. I don't either. This is Hello. Carla. Hello. Hello. Hi, who's this? This is Carla. Carla. Carla? I'm calling from Salt Lake City. What? I'm calling from Salt Lake City, Utah. Utah. A Mormon? Another Mormon? Uh, uh, no. No? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No Mormon. A non-Mormon. Maybe that's, that's better, isn't it? I'm not okay. I've got some nice people. There's nice people of all faiths. I am not Mormon by far. Well, there you go. I'm a bad Mormon. I'm a very bad You're Mormon. You're the, oh, the naughty Mormon. Yes. There you oh, go. Well, well, yeah, that, this, this is our final contestant that wins drumsticks. Uh, we love naughty Mormons. Drumsticks. I <laughs> dubbed <laughs> Oh, um, Mark, you're what, What's your, what's your question, Carla? Well, Tina kind of took the one question away from me because I really, really, truly wanted to know um, Mark and Pete's relationship, how Mark really, truly feels about that man. Well, one more time. One more time. Can you say that one more time, please? How you really feel about Pete, your true, true feelings about Pete. About Pete? In yeah, what way are you referring? <laughs> We're very close, but not that close. Oh, come on now. Tell us the truth. <laughs> hey, I, I, Pete is my brother. I love him. That being said, I sleep in my house and he sleeps in his house, okay? Do you understand that? <laughs> I know. I'm just kidding, Mark. What? I, I'm just kidding. I had to call to give you a hard time about Pete. Oh, no, I, no he, uh, dude, he, he, you know how long I've known this guy? Uh, we've we've done some things together all over the world that uh, very few people get the opportunity to do. And when you do things on the magnitude that we have, a special bond forms, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we're that close, okay? I just want to be a little more clear and emphasize the fact I am all open for any kind of orientation that people want to have with another partner. That's fine. In the case of Peter Lauren and Mark Scott, we stand strong together yet apart. <laughs> do, I make, do, I have to, do I have to drive this home? I'm not sleeping with the some bitch, all right? So take it easy, young lady. I don't want to get no misconstrued. I heard Mark's getting at dinner. So we don't need any of that. I love it. However, when I sleep over at Pete's house, I have my own room. I know you do. Yes, it's so Mark Scott Suite at Hotel Lauren. <laughs> His house is like there a hotel. Go, That's a big goddamn house. Right. And you won a pair of drumsticks, so send me a And you won the set. We want to thank you for being a naughty morning and playing our game today. You are this so very welcome. This brought to you by Mark Scott for President 2020. 
There, <laughs> there you go. Oh boy, oh boy. Now let me just, uh, just to be safe, let me just ask this last caller just to make sure. Area code three one zero. Is this my next guest, Susie? That's California. So that would be your next guest. How about that? Hey, Very Susan. Little Susie on the up. <laughs> Hi, how are you? Oh, uh, how's the weather in L.A., my dear? You know what? It's really beautiful, but it's really – we're having a heat wave right now. It's like 97 degrees. Oh, ouch, ouch. And you probably got some high humidity, too, I'm guessing. Uh, Yeah, it's a bit humid, but you know what? I've sort of been going back and forth to Vegas most weekends this summer, and it's just been triple digits out there. It's been like 112. It got up to 118 one weekend. It's just been crazy. My dear, I'm in Arizona. I know exactly what you're talking oh, about. Yes, but you know what? Yes. I love it. I love it. More, more. Let me know when you're coming over to Vegas next. Babe, please, let's get her scheduled when she's in Vegas. I want to go check it out. I, I need to get a big. I want to see Susie. You, well, you know, you know what? I'm actually does? going to be in Arizona. I'm going to be in Arizona in oh. November. When, when? Well, hold on. I'm writing this down. Where, when and where? Arizona, talk to me. <laughs> Let me have a look I'm at my serious. schedule. Hold on, my yeah. I'm actually going to be there. Um, I'm always there every year for um, Bike Week at the beginning of the year and then NASCAR Week towards the end. So those dates oh, sure. are, let me have a quick look. Um, here we go. Uh, I will be in Phoenix the 9th till the 11th of November. At where? At a place called the Highlighter. Highlighter. Oh, damn. Mm-hmm. I'm in. I'm in. Ninth <laughs> through the eleventh. Oh, I'm there. I'm I'm not even kidding. I well, swear to if God, you send me a message on Facebook so I know, and and, I, and I'll uh, make sure that they give you the VIP treatment. Oh, you're a sweetheart. That's really kind of you. Huh? <laughs> you know, they if we have any extra okay. drumsticks with a special phone number in close, can we mix that? Susie, that's really sweet of you. And thank you so much. And I'm looking forward to seeing you. That's good. Dude, nice for the 11th. We got some. Um, yeah, I'm, going to, to I'm going to the highlighter. Together. Gus Van's there doing the go. highlighter, damn it. Matter of fact, I'll probably, I'll probably <laughs> camp out there. <laughs> <laughs> there you, are. you won't have to camp. It's okay. We'll roll out the red carpet for you, darling. Susie, and, God and bless you, I will see. I will be seeing you soon. Absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. I look forward to it. And then you can Thank come you. back on the show and uh, tell us about the the Christmas album and give us a, a, a you know a recap of Susie's show. I'll, I'll give you the there full you review, the full live review. We will uh, have done a photo shoot by then, and you know all that stuff. <laughs> Oh, God bless America. God bless America. I want to thank you for everything. Nick, I hope uh, I hope I see you soon around town, my friend. Please keep in touch. And Susie, wishing you Absolutely. all the very, very best, my dear. I will see you thank at the you. Highlighter in Phoenix. All right. I'll see you in a couple of months. Thank you, hon. I really appreciate it. Take Have care, fun, Mark. brother. All right. I'll see you soon, pal. There he, there he goes. Wow. He is, he is just wow. He's shot out of a cannon. I think he... I think he could talk underwater. He's unreal. <laughs> He's awesome. <laughs> he, he, I, I don't know how he keeps the energy going. I really don't. He is unreal. He truly is. So, yeah, how are you? I mean, go on. <laughs> you, you got a tough act to follow up now. Uh, I'll do the best I can. <laughs> are we totally well, uncensored or are we censored? We here? are totally uncensored. Oh, you're uncensored, but that's okay. Well, see, I'll, you know, I'll be a better act anyway because I got titties and I'm sexy. There you go. How about that? You already beat them, and you don't need drumsticks. It's <laughs> <laughs> all good. It's all good. Uh, well, which, uh, I guess, speaking of titties, 
you're good friends, and this whole uh, our whole uh, friendship came to be thanks to uh, Frenchie. Frenchie, yes, she's a very good friend of mine. Uh, she's a sweetheart. Love her to death. She is. She's got a. Uh, she has her uh, latest uh, song coming out soon, I, I believe, and she's asked me to be a part of her music video too. So that's going to be interesting. It's going to be a oh, lot nice. of fun. That's nice. Has she How'd told you, you the name of the track? Oh, no, what is it? Oh, she hasn't? Oh, maybe I'll just let her do it then because I don't want to let the cat out of the bag. But it's going to be pretty sexy, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I'm sure. Well, you know what she's like. Anything to do with her is totally sexy. Otherwise, it's just non-existent. She amazes me. She t- she totally amazes me. Like, how is she just, uh, I, I don't know. She just walks around with, like, literally dental floss. Oh, God. Oh, she's she's a total free spirit. We'll put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's actually more comfortable in if she's wearing like close to nothing, she's just more comfortable like that. So she would have to live somewhere that's always warm because you can't dress the way that she does and kick it in somewhere like Pennsylvania. You'd freeze your ass off. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, she's, she's awesome. She's a great friend of mine. She is. That's awesome. Now, now you, you were, let's get this right. You were truly the world's only Magic burlesque showgirl. Yes, I am. I am. I am the only one. Every time I, I sort of tell people what I do, the first thing they say is, "You do what?" And I'm like, "It's magic and it's burlesque and it's in one." So I'm kind of like a cross between say Dita Von Teese with more energy and David Copperfield with better eyebrows into one. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I do. So it's like, you know, it's very sort of Las Vegas shows. There's a lot of rhinestones. There's a lot of feathers. You know, there's a lot of, you know, scantily clad outfits and stuff mixed in with magic and illusions. And, and all of my uh, assistants are all girls too, very sexy girls. So that brings a, a whole different element into it as well. Because, you know, most magicians, first of all, they're men. And uh, if they are women, they're just sort of doing stuff on their own. But I do stage right. magic. I do stage illusions and all that kind of stuff. So all my assistants are beautiful women. Nice. So go figure. <laughs> it's a completely now, different element. Now, which were you doing first? Were you like a, a showgirl burlesque dancer first, or yeah. were you a magician so, yeah, first? Yeah, that, that came. Yeah, no, that came first. I was actually a trained dancer back in Australia, and uh, uh-huh. I ended up being a headliner of burlesque act in a casino for about five years in Sydney. And then when I moved out here, um, obviously I, I brought my burlesque act over here, and then. If you are familiar with burlesque, it's very gimmicky. Like there's a lot of people that do different things. Like some people do burlesque with aerials. Some people do it with comedies. There's all different things you can do. You just got to kind of find your niche. And uh, I actually just found mine by accident. So I was at a venue one time and I heard Sugar Ray's version of Abracadabra. And I thought, oh, that'd be cute. Let's let's try that. And so I, I sort of just started off with three tricks. And then it just had a snowball effect. Suddenly everybody wanted to see the burlesque girl that did magic tricks. So it's kind of evolved from a solo show. So I tour all the country and I perform, you know, in nightclubs or, you know, gentlemen's clubs and casinos and stuff. And then I've had my own production show, uh, Le Magique Fantastique, which is this weekend in L.A. Uh, I've had that for about two years now. So, um, yeah, it's kind of like whatever scale you want to come in and see the performance, you can, you can pick what you want to see. Now it sounds like the the show you're doing this weekend. This seems like it's like a real big production. Yeah, it is. I've got 
I've got a, a beautiful jazz singer and uh, I have four dancers and a contortionist and an aerialist. So it's, it's big. And we've actually just had to change the venue too. It was originally at the Cap Theatre and I have literally just within the last hour changed it to an even better venue, which is called the White Fire Theatre. So if uh, people actually do still want to get tickets, all that information is about to be changed within the hour. But, um, yeah, I, it's a... Uh, we're, we're very excited, and, and I've got a fantastic cast, and it, it's kind of like a mini Las Vegas show. So there's huge, great big feathered costumes and, you know, scantily clad dancers and sexy singers and side acts and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's a real attack of the senses show. It's got a little bit of everything in it. It's got the sex appeal. It's, it's got the, the talent. It's got the magic. It's got the mystery. It's got, you know, the lavish costumes and everything. So... It's uh, it's very fun. It's very entertaining. So I'm I'm very very blessed to have a fantastic cast that love it as much as I do. <laughs> now, with doing the magic, like how many years now have you been doing the whole magic part of it? Um, I've been doing magic now for I would say about eight years. So it started off as just sort of like simple little sort of you know hand tricks and stuff like that, and now I'm like stuffing girls in boxes and running swords through them. I'm <laughs> I'm taking their heads off their shoulders and I'm making them levitate and all sorts of awesome stuff while they're scantily clad too, which is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, what am I wearing for this? And do you remember all those, um, those like uh, comical um, movies in the eighties where, you know, like someone are going desperate for work and they'd walk into a, um, a club and they'd be like, well, what have I got to wear? And, and the manager would like throw them a little bikini and be like, that's what you're wearing. You start tonight. It's kind of like, it's kind of like that. The girls are like, what am I wearing? And I'm like, rhinestones and pretty much that's it. <laughs> rhinestones and, and say, heels. Okay. <laughs> uh, now, what when, was when that? You, <laughs> and they say to you, okay. What? Well, yeah. If I'm paying them, they're like, sure. <laughs> You know what it's like in this day and age? I mean, like, especially with things like Instagram and everything, like, uh, girls that are just, you know, normal, that, that have nothing to do with the entertainment industry, they're all scantily clad, so it's it's kind of no big deal anymore. Right. So, you know, nobody really sort of gives it a second guess anymore. It's like, okay, that's fine. This is what I'm wearing. As long as I've got, you know, my heels and, and a little bit of coverage, I'm good. Frenchie should be in my show. I was just going to say that. I was just going to say yeah. that. She'd yeah. be perfect. Well, she would, and, and you know, I'd love to give her a sexy little burlesque spot in the middle. But um, she's got a lot of stuff going on right now, and um, but uh, yeah, she's she's awesome. Like she's she's been very good to me, and you know, she's uh, I know she's interested to come and and see the show. Unfortunately, she's she's working this weekend, but I, I know she'll get there eventually. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Now, like when you first started <laughs> doing the ma- the magic part of it, did like when you first started being able to do like your first few tricks, or did, did it kind of shock yourself? Um, it's not that you, I shocked myself. It was just a different, it was just a different element. So it's like anything, like you, you sort of have to really practice and make sure that, you know, you don't sort of stuff it up on stage. Cause let me tell you something with magic, a whole lot of stuff can go horribly wrong very quickly. So you have to, um, it's more sort of like making sure you really know what you do so, you know, you can execute it properly because, you know, there, as I said, there have been some malfunctions over the years. So you have to be sort of ready for that and sort of like, oh, shit, how do I get myself out of this kind of situation? But, you know, 
you work your way through it. I mean, I've I've had instances when I've been like locked in trunks and my assistant couldn't find the key and all that kind of stuff. So you name it, it's been done. I've had things fall and yeah, but you know, that's just all sort of like stuff that happens sort of early on in the piece and you work out those kinks and you're like, okay, we've got this, we're, we're good. So, you know, it's like anything. It just takes practice, practice, practice. Now, how about with the um, – because I was going through and I was able to find, like, a bunch of videos on YouTube. And, like, at first I was thinking to myself, all right, like, what is this whole burlesque magic thing? And then I'm like, wait, exactly. this is no joke. Like, you're doing, like you're – sol- you're uh, swallowing swords. I mean, you're doing mm-hmm. the whole nine yards. It's not, like, just all show – with the burlesque part. I mean, there's truly a magical act going on with this whole show. Yeah, there's all sorts of stuff going on. And it's, um, it's, uh, I, I get booked, like when I do my solo stuff or I get booked with my assistant, you know, a lot of people will call me and I'll be like, you know, we have a certain theme that we need, you know, can you do that? So, you know, I'm so versatile and, and my crew is so versatile. We're like, yeah, sure. We, we can, we can knock it out. So, you know, like, a lot of my stuff, the actual show itself, the Le Magique show, actually goes through time. So it starts off at the turn of century because I was actually in um, in the movie Moulin Rouge. I was in the dance cast. So we actually open up with the actual can-can that we did in the movie. I, I taught the girls the choreography. Um, and then it moves through time. And it, it sort of goes, like, back through, you know, like there's a whole goddess section there and a roaring 20s, like a Gatsby. And then it comes, like, into the future and stuff. But, um... Uh, you know, people will be like, okay, well, we're having a rock night, so can can we turn something, you know, like with a rock theme? So it's like, okay, well, we're going to take something that we normally do that's sort of more showgirly and change the music and change the costumes and off we go, and it's, it's got a whole different look to it. So you have to be versatile. Yeah, because I, I saw you like you were uh, performing in a uh, – I forget what it's – it's uh, – was it the Fine Hollywood show? Yeah, it was. It was oh, I, no, that was um, that was at um, uh, uh, Ultimate Jam. That's uh, yes. with. Um, yes. Oh, I'm sorry, my just got a brain fart right now. With um, uh, <laughs> Ultimate Jam. Chuck Wright. There we go. Chuck Wright. There you Quiet go. Wright. There you go. Yes. Right. He's the uh, he's the producer of that, and uh, Chuck and I are actually really good friends, and. I went and saw his show and he used to have the second half open up with a burlesque act. And uh, actually a girlfriend of mine was, was performing that night and she introduced me to him and he said, you know, I'd really love to see your stuff. So I sent my stuff over to him and, and he contacted me pretty much straight away. And he was like, you know, I'd, I'd really love to have you come and do some stuff. You know, can you make it more, you know, rock? And I was like, sure, let's do this. So, and that's been a great gig, you know, like I've, I've been performing in Chuck's show for, for quite a while and I've, you know, I've had the, the pleasure of, you know, sharing the stage with amazing people. Like I opened for Dee Snyder a couple of months ago. That was oh, really? awesome. Um, yeah. Um, you know, I've met, you know, um, Frankie Benali. Um, I can't even think of all the people that I've met, but there's been some amazing people that have come through that jam. And, you know, Chuck is, is amazing. Um, and, you know, he's, he's a real showman too. Like, there's so much more to Chuck than just being the bassist of Quiet Riot. He's actually, you know, he's really into magic. And so he really enjoyed sort of like putting together things with me. He was like, oh, can we do this? And how about we do this and that and the other? So that was really interesting. You know, like there's everybody knows him as kind of like a, a metalhead, a musician, and he just loves magic. It's, it's like really cool. That's awesome. 
Now, it's funny because when I was going through this stuff, I was thinking to myself, I wonder if she would ever think about or if she ever considered like trying out for like America's Got Talent. And then I saw you did try out for it. I did. I did. Um, that was a while ago. And, uh, yeah, I was, I was going to go on the show. Like I got through and I got accepted and stuff. And then, you know, like it just stuff happened and it didn't work out. But, you know, even stuff with America's Got Talent, you know, it's a double-edged sword because, you know, sometimes it's a positive thing. Sometimes it's a negative thing, you know, Unfortunately, you know that that didn't work out. But you know what? It's it, it's all good. You know, it's it's all exposure. You know, at at some point. So you know, you just keep going, and you know, just you know, accept all the the blessings as they come. And you know, sure. what what you don't succeed with, you just use it. You know, to make yourself improve and and better, and you just keep going. Right. Now to do this show like you're doing on Saturday night, like how much. Um... Like how long of a like rehearsal time? Like, do you guys like practice for weeks on end leading up to something like yep. this? Or? Well, when I first put this show together, um, we were in rehearsal for six weeks straight um, because there's so much more to learn. Like with my dancers, it's not just the choreography; they've also got to learn the illusions. They've also got to learn the interludes. Like it's it's quite a big show. There's a lot going on, and uh, so yeah, it sort of took us like six weeks to sort of like get everything going. It's, it's like anything, you know I mean? It's like a well-oiled machine. And then, uh, you know, when we have gigs coming up, we sort of like rehearse a good like two weeks beforehand, get it all done. And uh, then we've got our tech and stuff like that. So I've, thank God I've got a really good, very patient crew because you know what it's like. It's like not everything goes to plan all the time. So if, if you've got a good crew with you, a good patient crew, and they know what they're doing, then it can just turn awesome. That's awesome. At you, you got it all going on over there. You got this whole wild magic burlesque show, and the only <laughs> the only one which makes it even more special. Well, you know, there's you know, there's, there's a lot of burlesque shows that are going on everywhere throughout the country and throughout the world. So, you know, a lot of burlesque shows have magic, but they'll have like a male magician come out as like the side act. So this is very different because it actually intertwines everything at once. So you're right. not just coming to see a magic show. You're not just coming to see a burlesque show. It's not just a cabaret show. It's kind of everything. Like, it's an attack of the senses, and it doesn't stop. It just goes tenuously. So you're just like, oh, my God, what am I looking at? Like, it's almost going to a circus ballet show with magic. It just keeps going. So, you know, I, I, I've always prided myself on trying to be as original as I can and coming up with different concepts and stuff. And so... Um, you know, this show I've been very blessed with. You know, I, I'm, I'm always, like, putting little bits and pieces in to change it up and what can we do here to, to improve it. So I'm uh, I'm actually really pumped for this weekend. It's it's going to be a really good show. That's awesome. I wish I was out in California. I wish you guys this. were in town. I know. <laughs> I wish you guys could come. Yeah. So I'm out here in Philadelphia, so I'm, all, I'm on the other side of the country. <laughs> Uh, well, I've been to Philadelphia a few times. Actually, you know what? I was in Philly uh, three weeks ago. I was performing at uh, Creekside, Creekside Cabaret. I was there for their anniversary party, and I did my big show then. What was the name of it? Creekside? Creekside Cabaret. It's about 40 minutes out from Philadelphia. Creekside Cabaret. Let me, uh, I'm curious. You're going to have to Google it now. Yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, no, I was there. I was actually there um, 
a year before that and then they decided to bring me back for their anniversary party because they wanted, you know, a specialty act that did something different and uh, a lot of people actually came back to see me again, which was great. So they enjoyed it. So they were like, oh, we wanted to come and see, you know, what, what you were doing. And, you know, I was like, again, swallowing gods and putting swords through girls' throats and peer and I had bunnies and all sorts of stuff going on. I make champagne <laughs> bottles appear and, yeah, it's, it's fun. That's awesome. That It sounds like a great time. Well, then hopefully, maybe, you know, uh, we can get a gig out in, in Philly somewhere and um, you can come and get front row seats. That would be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I'm now I'm looking at the place now. That was probably about, yeah, about 45 minutes outside of Philadelphia. There you go. Yeah, so not too far at all. How about that? Look at you. <laughs> and so, you so, missed you know, it. Damn, I was so close. I know. Seeing that, well, now I know all about you. Yeah, well, look if you yeah now if you follow me on uh, on Facebook, usually when people follow me on Facebook or Instagram, I always put up my touring dates. So you know because I'm you know touring around the country, you know I can be anywhere. It's like you know three weeks ago I was in Philly, and then November I'm I'm in Arizona. So you know I you never can tell where I'm going to pop up. But if you if you follow me on Facebook or Instagram or something like that, you can uh, I'm coming to somewhere near. You can come on in and come say hi. Absolutely. Now, is your show, is it a 21 and over show, or do you do, like, tone it down for all ages at places as well, or? Um, well, there, this particular show, the Le Magique Fantastique show, is not topless. It is um, basically just a very sexy cabaret show. It's got elements of burlesque, but you won't actually see, you know, anything really going on. <laughs> Right, right. Everything's sort of hidden behind feather fans, and it's very, it's very, um, very cabaret. It's very, very tasteful. So, but with gotcha. my shows, you know, it can go from from one way to the other. Like some places are, you know, pasties, and and some places are, you know, like, you know, I try and keep it a little more subtle. So, but the, this particular show, it's like you wouldn't miss it though. It's still a very sexy show. That's awesome. And, and now. You do, you've done this show like around the world too, not just around the country here. Yeah, I performed all around the world. I've, I, I had a show and I, and I actually toured it around Australia and then I took it to New Zealand. Um, I was actually in New Zealand about two years ago uh, with my just as a, a solo artist. Um, where else have I been? I've been to Mexico with shows and um, Japan. Finland, I headed up a big festival out there, so I love yeah. traveling. The, the international stuff is always super fun. That's wild. I, I mean, it, it, especially because like you're the original. You know what I mean? You, you originated this whole show, so you're it. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> when I die, it goes with me. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> like all my but, tricks will be buried with me. <laughs> Has, has there been, like, people that have been trying to come on the scene now to try to be copycats of you? Um, I mean, I, I've seen sort of, you know, elements of it, but, you know, like, they don't – I've always had people sort of say, oh, well, you know, I, I've seen this and I've seen that, and they're like, they're absolutely nothing on you. And then they sort of – I've seen – they sort of haven't established themselves as much as I have, so – you know, I mean, like they always say that you know, if someone's trying to copy you, it's always the uh, it's a sign of uh, flattery, right? That you're doing Absolutely. something right. So, um, 
But I, I haven't seen too, too much of it because the majority of girls that do burlesque, it's like the costumes and everything are, are one thing. But magic is expensive. Let me tell you that. Like, it's not cheap. <laughs> you got to save your pennies because I got to tell you, these illusions and stuff, they're expensive. I can imagine. And actually, mm. like, I think I saw, weren't the ticket prices for like, they, I think they were like, what, $20 for this Saturday or even cheaper? Yeah, this this Saturday are twenty dollars. Um, I've still got half price tickets going for ten dollars on Eventbrite dot com, um, but you've got to be in quick because I only have a few of those left. So I just thought, you know, like I'll just leave those on there for a little bit longer. But yeah, so I mean, it, it's a reasonably priced ticket. You know what I mean? It's, it's a ninety minute show. We've got a beautiful venue, and uh, you know, you go and see a Cirque du Soleil show or any show for that matter in Vegas and you, you won't find anything for that price at all. Like Great. I think that the last the last search show I went to was like a hundred and seventy dollars. And that was Holy like one of the yeah. cheapest ones. Oh yeah, yeah, it's really expensive. Oh it was like two hundred and something or other dollars now. I mean it's an amazing show, but so you know, and, and even the smaller shows in Vegas, they're starting at like fifty six dollars. So, you know, it's it's for a Saturday night, you know, twenty bucks it's you know, and even if you can get it in cheaper at the ten dollar rate, it's 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 cheaper than than going to the movies. Right. <laughs> so are you guys uh, getting uh, ready to jump on a plane yet, or what? <laughs> Hell yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you can't beat it. I, I mean, seriously, it's it's a night of great entertainment. Mm-hmm. Everybody needs to jump on yeah, a plane and, and head out there. There you go. And if people are interested in sort of seeing what it's all about, you know, you can just uh, Google La Magique Fantastique and, you know, everything comes up on um, on our, our site on Facebook and, and then there's, you know, stuff that you can see on YouTube and, and all sorts of stuff. So if they're still sort of like, what is this show about? You can Google it and you can see what's going on and then come on down and see it for yourself. Yeah. You know what? Don't even do that. Just go see it for yourself. Be surprised. There you go. There you go. Yeah. It's always better having that element of surprise, isn't it? Because you're like, oh, I have no clue what I'm about to see here. And then it's like, oh, okay, and I get it now. That's awesome. All this and sexy women. You can't ask for a package. <laughs> because my whole cast is all female. It's an all-female magic burlesque cabaret show. Yeah. It's a win-win. It's a, it's a win-win. There you night. go. Absolutely. There you go. Now, where can everybody go and get uh, tickets for this again? Uh, tickets are available at eventbrite.com. Um, and all you have to do is uh, log on to uh, Le Magique Fantastique, I think, in, in their search engine. And the tickets will come straight up and you can purchase them and you can come on. We're, we've actually got a red carpet going on at, at 8 p.m. where you can come and get your photo taken on the red carpet and feel like a superstar before the show and oh. starts and then grab your cocktail and, and go on in. Yeah, oh, we've got stuff going on. We make these red carpet events. That's awesome. That See that? <laughs> it's a true Hollywood show. Exactly, exactly. First class. There you go. I like it. <laughs> well, you will have to let me know next time that you are in town, and uh, I will definitely have you guys on the VIP list. That's awesome. And you know what? My my co-host, who's being quiet over there, he's in Arizona as well. Oh, really? Okay. So he's uh, he's actually right near Mark. So there you go, Nick. So make a note for November. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will, definitely. Dates down? 
just send them over to me, and then we're good to go. <laughs> awesome. November 9th, awesome. 30, 11th in Arizona. There you go. Well, maybe I can come on your show again before I uh, perform in Arizona just to remind you. Absolutely. Because <laughs> that show is actually topless. Uh, there you go. Winner. So that, that, that can, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Winner, winner, chicken dinner right there. You got that one, Nick? Write that down. That sounds good. I got to tell Mark. <laughs> I think Mark's already there waiting. <laughs> uh, well, Susie, I want to thank you so much. This was great talking to you and getting to meet you and finding out all about this amazing show you do. Well, thank you very much. I want to thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. And I will reach out to uh, your other half as well, and we'll get that taken care of. Oh, awesome. Wonderful. Yeah, I'll, I'll let him talk to you about all that stuff. I've got some great stuff going on. Cool. Again, thank all you so right. much. Yeah. Thank you. Have a good one, guys. You too. Take care. You too. Okay, thank you. Bye. Bye. All right, well, there she goes. Susie Malone, the world's only burlesque magician. Check her out. You can go uh, look for her right on uh, Facebook, Susie Malone. And uh, you can also look for uh, the show she's yeah. doing this Saturday. They have uh, the event page in there with the links um, where you can go right to Eventbrite and get tickets. You'll be all set. It looks like an amazing show. It really does. Yeah, it's going to be cool, definitely, dude. I've been to a burlesque show before, and it was pretty cool, so I imagine this one's going to be a riot. Yeah, see, now, you would have to go in November, dude, and uh, go with Mark. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like like that right there, I mean, that's a reality show in the making. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Wow. Craziness. (laughs) Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Oh, I, I do I got such freaking heartburn. I don't know what it is. Ooh, excuse me. So all right, let me uh let me see here. Where are we? Quarter of eleven. Let's do uh let's do our YouTube test and see if stuff uh is being heard first before we get into that. Uh, I'll do this. Dude! Can you hear that? Right. These are awesome. Yep. Okay, cool. So, uh, we've been doing, uh, at the end of our show the last uh, few months, We've been uh, doing a little music countdown where we've been going back and forth and picking um, like a, a topic, and we've been doing a countdown of a top three songs pertaining to that topic. And uh, this was Nick's pick, and Nick chose um, songs that let me remind us of our father, correct? Yeah, I think we we talked about whether it was going to be songs about fatherhood or songs about our specific fathers. And I think we decided for this time to go more towards the specifics of it, right? Right. And and Um, I got to tell you, bro, minor harsh. Oof. (laughs) So this is going to be interesting. Absolutely. 
I'll tell you what, I, I had a tough time with this because um, when we first talked about it, I mean, we were off for, I guess, two weeks. And when you picked it last time, like, I remembered, um, I, I had two songs pop in my head instantly. And one of them songs I can't think of. Oh, wow. So it was driving me nuts. So I, I remembered the one, and then I had another one that was going to be in there. And um, so, like, my third one, I, like, wasn't it, – it, it's kind of, like, just there. You know what I mean? So Right. Uh, let me um, let me pull up your, your number three. You know, the thing is with, with Nick's picks always, like a lot of times, like you pick all these songs and I, I'll look at it and I'll be like, what the fuck is that? Like, I have no idea what it is. And then once I play it, I'm like, oh, I knew that freaking song. You're like, oh, I yeah, just, I know that song. <laughs> I just didn't know who it was or what it was called. Now, I'm going to tell you, I didn't have the best relationship with my father. So, yeah, they're, they're not. I mean, you listen to the words and it's not going to be pleasant. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna pick this link right here because it's the lyrics. This way I can really truly um, read along here with these lyrics to really get the full effect. And, and yeah, I mean I don't have anything to say other than what he says, so we're good. Oh wow! <laughs> All right, well, do you want to intro the song? Just just let it play, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. 
You have uh, Perfect by Simple Plan, and the part of this that really sort of hits home with me is, uh, you know, things didn't go according to plan. Doing what I wanted to do was always kind of a joke, you know what I mean? Like, wrestling was stupid, being on the radio was stupid, I watched too much TV, because he's an old school dude, you know what I mean? He's like an old Filipino biker. And uh, the sentiment behind the song, like, truth, it's it's fucking truth. Yeah, I, I mean, reading, like, reading along with the lyrics as I was watching the, the thing, I was just like, damn, like, it's like you, you've, like, all your life you fought for your father's approval, and you never got it. You're just never going to get it, yeah. And I know that, like, in my heart, I know that I'm never going to be the man that he is, but at the same time, I don't want to be, you know what I mean? So it's it's like a a battle back and forth with your, you know, emotions and all that. So I tried not to pick these two emo songs, but it's hard, you know what I mean? (laughs) It's it's an emotional topic. Absolutely. I mean, I could have went something simpler, you know, song that just had the word dad in it and let it be, but... I, you know, I like to get real on this, and, and I think it makes for good yeah. conversation. I, I think this is made for, like, some of our best conversations, without a doubt. Absolutely. All right. Um, I don't know if I should do, like, I'm kind of, like, screwed up on my order here. Um All right, I'm going to do the song. Um, trying to find a version of it. Well, it's kind of a long song. Um, <laughs> uh, all right, so I'm going to do the number three, the one that I put in there. It's a song uh, Lenny Kravitz wrote about his father, and uh, after his father passed away, 
And Lenny, I love Lenny Kravitz is truly an amazing songwriter because he truly writes from his heart and you know, he doesn't put like no mask on what he's writing about, you know, so much right. stuff he's right. written about his uh, either love life and relationships and uh, many, many amazing songs about his mother. And this one he wrote about his father. Um, if his father died and it's, it really talks about, you know, the breakup of his uh, parents marriage. And it's a really deep song. And I remember, uh, the first time I heard it, um, kind of relating to some of the lyrics to my father because I found out many years after my father died, like my father died when I was four, and then I found out, actually probably, I think I might have found out after my mom died, and she died when I was almost 19, um, that my father had cheated on my mother um, before my mom got pregnant with me. And was planning oh, to wow. leave. Yeah. So, and I've actually heard more of the stories through the years. And actually I heard a lot more detailed about the story um, within the last year from cousins and stuff like that. Um, so this talks like about, it's, uh, you know, uh, uh, it's basically a, a letter a son wrote to his father in a song. And that's, Usually the way Lenny writes yeah. a lot of his stuff. Yeah. So, and it's, the song's called A Long and Sad Goodbye.
a young Lenny Kravitz literally crying to his father. Just just broken, right? What's that? Uh, it, whenever he says Papa, it's just it's broken. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it... it it, it tears on you, man. So I always kind of like pictured myself as that young Lenny Kravitz. Just kind of nobody to ask. You have questions, nobody to answer them. And it's just, yeah. Right. I, I, I totally get it. All right, let me pull up your uh, your number two here. All right, so here's Nick's number two. And do you want to intro this, Nick? Um. <laughs> okay, so uh, this one is called "Father of Mine" by Everclear, and um, by Gold. There's some parts to it that just, again, they really ring true. Uh, the way I, not just how I grew up, but where and the way I grew up and the sort of little things that seem nice but are uh, kind of a slap in the face to a kid and stuff. So I think I think you'll understand what I'm saying when you kind of hear the way it's presented. Okay. Again, I have the lyrics uh, in front of me now. Father of mine, take me back to the day. Yeah, when I was there, your gold before, back before you went away. I remember blue skies, oh, I'll give us love. I love the way you hear me. I love to hear you talk. You take me to 
That's a deep line right there, man. Absolutely. Now, did you have stuff like that happen there? No, absolutely. I mean, I I remember, I mean, that line, being a scared white kid in a black neighborhood, brings true to me today as it did when I was 10 years old. And uh, it, it, was, it was a weird situation where I would see him, like, every five, six years, and he'd, like, spend an hour at the house, and that was supposed to be, like, this big gift. And, uh, yeah, I just never got it. You know what I mean? Right. That speaks volumes right there about you as a father, too, man. I think it does. I'm glad that you said that because I, I really feel that way. You know what I mean? And, you know, the thing is, man, like, I want to be clear, too. Like, I have a relationship with my father now, and I don't hate the guy by any means. You know what I mean? Like, as as a 38-year-old, I now understand what it must have been like to have a son at 15 years old. You know what I mean? Like, I fucking, I get it. But at the same time, like, it'll never change the fact that, it was what it was. You know what I mean? Like, I can accept it and I can understand it, but, like, the relationship will never be there. It'll never be the same. Like, I like the dude. I'll be sad if the dude was to pass away. I wouldn't lend him money, but, you you know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, oh, man. So... Now, one thing, uh, like, growing up that I always knew was um, my mom was a huge, huge Tom Jones fan. Like, that was her, her celebrity. Really? Yeah, that was her, like, celebrity, I guess, crush or whatever you want to call it. Like, that was it. Like, that was her guy was Tom fucking Jones. That's awesome. 
my dad <laughs> kind of looked like Tom Jones and would dress like him and he would wear like, uh, you know, I, I would always see like the shirts. And I kind of remember like the, the silk shirts back then open up with the chest hair hanging out and all. Right. And the chains yeah, like that, like that was like my dad. Um, and actually always growing up, even like after my dad died, seeing like Tom Jones albums, because my mom would have them in the, in the house. I, it always reminded me of my dad. So, oh, wow. so this song, um, I always picture <laughs> was like my dad singing about my mom and it's Tom Jones. She's a lady. Which then makes me ask, why did he cheat on her? So I don't know. You know what I mean? Right. It brings up as many questions as it answers. But I yeah. like this one, Bay. This is a really good pick because I, in my head, without ever meeting your parents, I can picture your dad trying to dance like Tom Jones a little bit and trying to make your mom smile. You know what I mean? Right, right. You know, and that was the the one thing too, like about my mom, um, like my dad was her love, her one true love. Like after he died, like I mean, she was still young; she was forty four years old herself. You know, she still had a life ahead of her, and she uh, she didn't want nobody else. All she wanted was my father. Right. No, I, and I understand that, man. Like, you, you got what you wanted. You had your one true love, and why bother replace, trying to replace it? You know what I mean? Right. I, I get that uh, idea. You know what I mean? That that way of thinking. So let's see. All right, so Nick's number one is uh, somebody you've picked at least once, if not twice before, and that's, uh, I, that's I think Tupac. Definitely once, yeah. Yeah, and uh, so let me. Uh, I'm gonna pull up this one because I can see the lyrics with it. So and the, the deal with called... this one is the deal with this one, Bay, is that I don't put either of my parents above each other in 
you know, they both did bad shit, but they were both, you know, 15 years old when I was born. So I I can sort of separate that from, uh, you know, the way I feel inside about some of the, you know, bad shit that happened to me. But um, the truth of the matter is the reason this is number one is because she was the one that was there. At the end of the day, no matter how much bad shit she did and maybe how much bad shit he didn't do, she was there. And that right. means everything. You know what I mean? Right. So here we go. Dear Mama. When I was young, yeah, my mama had me 17 years old, kicked out on the street. So back at the time, I never thought I'd see a face. Ain't a woman alive that could take my mama's place. Screaming from school, scared to go home. I was a fool with the big boys breaking all the rules. Said tears with my baby sister. Over the years, we was bored and another little kid. And even though we had different daddies, the same drama when things went wrong, we blamed mama. I reminisce on the stress I caused. It was hell, hugging on my mama from a jail cell. Full of all the sweet things you did for me. 
it makes you understand things more. It truly does. Definitely. I think so. So, all right, my number one um, is is one of the songs that I instantly thought of when you uh, initially put this list together. Um, because when this song was being released back in 80, 88, 89, whatever it was, um, I remember the one of the interviews when they were talking about the new album coming out and this was going to be a song on it and the song was about um, the lead singer of the band, Faster Pussycat, Tammy Down. His father actually, um, if, if I remember right, left his, uh, you know, his, him and his mom or whatever. Um, and the song was about growing up without a father. So that was in the back of my mind when the album came out and I listened to the song. I always, it's, it's just a very sad sounding song. And it, I just always related it to myself growing up without a father, some of the words and all. And it, just the song, the, the sad sound of it just always got me. And I always thought it was just a, a, a really beautiful song and a deep song. And, um, you know, it was something you wouldn't expect from the band Faster Pussycat. Um, and it was also probably, I think, their biggest hit as well. So, um here it is. The song's called House of Pain. Dude, right crazy. after their awesome. commercial. <laughs> <laughs> Skip ad. Thank you. Just that little riff right there. It's just a sad sounding. It is. And basically, I mean, it's basically like a, about a kid who's waiting for the father to come home who never comes home. Oh, man. And just, I mean, that line alone, no one's home in my yeah. house up here.
It's almost like this song that we'll do in your list, Nick. Oh, definitely. There, yeah, there's. Uh, I'll tell you when it's over. And you know what's crazy? Like as I sit here and watch this video, our our boy uh, Eric Stacy, he was in the band then. Oh wow! <laughs> so you know, like I and dude, I talk to him a lot. Like really? Yeah, like I reach out to him all the time, and he's always like. Especially when we were putting together the whole DJ thing. I was talking to him about it the whole time. There you go. That one was that amazing, one was dude. I had never heard that song, and that could have easily been on my list. Wow. Yeah, as we were like listening to it, I was thinking to myself, wow, this is like a song that would probably be on Nick's list. I think that's no, – no offense. Please, please don't take any offense to this. No, not at all. <laughs> but I think that's the first new song that you've, or old song that you've introduced me to that I was like, holy shit, I got to listen to more of their music. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what? You know, um, well, in the first two albums, there's really nothing else like that tune from Faster Pussy Get. All their other stuff is like real, just gritty, grimy, sleazy rock and roll. And then you have that song that's like, wow, like sounds nothing else like them. Yeah, it's, I mean, it, and it's a good song, but it, it, it's very full in what it's saying. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, their other songs are like Cat House, Bathroom Wall, <laughs> Where There's a Whip, There's a Way. You know what I mean? <laughs> slip right. of the Tongue. With a slip of the tongue, I'm in deep shit. I'm so bad off, I can taste it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like... And then you have that deep song like that come along. So it's like, yeah, total, totally out of character for them at the time. Oh, man. <clears throat> so, all right. So, you know, I'm I'm kind of like torn. Excuse me. Like I'm picking the, uh, uh, a choice because I'm thinking to myself, I, I can make a choice. And it can just be like a goofy, you know, list, or I can try to make like a deep choice. <laughs> right, right. 
for better so, conversation. Both of, them, both of them are good, though, because when we did the rap one, I think it was, we, we, like, that one was just fun. And we talked a little bit about it. You shared a funny story about, you know, Jeff thinking of you with this Nelly song that I had never thought of in a million years. <laughs> and so they're fun, too. You know what I mean? Okay, so, all right, let, let's see if this one can be fun. So I can go either, I can either go favorite booty song or favorite song that's got the F word in the title. Okay, I love them both, but let's do the booty song. <laughs> okay, because you know what? That'll be a tough fucking list. It really will. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, all right. So, top three booty songs. <laughs> and we didn't oh, talk Remember, we, we originally, we, I mean, for years, I mean, it's like two years, three years ago, we wanted to do a top ten booty song countdown with Tone the Chief Rocker. We did. <laughs> oh, man, that's going to be a good one. There's so many good ones. I know. <laughs> I know. It's going to be a tough I'm, list. I might have to get Tone involved in this to give me some recommendations. I, he might have to break some ties for me. <laughs> we, need to get him, we, we need to get him involved on this countdown. I, I think you're right. You're right. All right, yeah. I, I, I'm going to reach out to him. I'm going to set it up for next week. Yeah, that's that. We'll make him our second guest. This way we can devote it to him. The second oh, that's hour. so great. And he can come up with his his three as well. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, this is going to be good. Cool. Very cool. So, all right, well, I need to get situated and get... I, I got coming here at 8 o'clock in the morning, uh, fucking insurance company to take blood and take urine for a life Ugh. insurance policy. It, 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 that shows you when you're getting old and getting sick. <laughs> this is what it fucking comes to. Yo, nothing makes you feel more mortified than, yeah, than being see how much they'll give you when you die. <laughs> right? <laughs> that, and, they, and they come to your fucking house to do it. They don't even, like, you don't have to go to them. They're coming to you to do it. They're like, yeah, dude, we can't. We we can't make this poor guy walk to the office. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Oh man, oh man, dude, that's all right. Today, you know what I had to do? at the, my second appointment, my my normal pulmonologist. I had to go. I had to walk up and down the hallway for six minutes to see if what if my heart, uh, my oxygen level would drop under eighty. Oh wow! Did it? Yeah. No, no, uh, 94. No. Oh, okay, that's good, though. I mean, if, yeah. you know. Yeah, if it dropped under oh, wow. 80, I was going home with an oxygen tank. That's how fucked up I would be. Oh, holy shit. Yeah. So. Hey, so I have, um, I have something exciting for you. I, I can't say it specifically on the air, but, um, I stay up after the show for like five minutes because I want to send you the final draft of that project I was telling you about. 
All right, which the, one? The, the one that I messaged the two of you about. No, oh, the book? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to restart my computer because my... Dude, my... Like, I'm going to take a picture of my screen and send it to you. Like, what the fuck is... This is your new computer? Yeah. Oh, what the heck? Yeah, dude, like... And believe me, like, when you see this, like, the picture's not even doing justice to how screwed up my screen is right now. And it happens, like, a lot, like... You send it over? Yeah. All right, let's see. Oh, wow, it's like... It's all jumbled. Yeah, it's fuzzy, right? Yeah. And I bet usually... you that... I bet you I know what it is. Usually, it's when I'm watching something on YouTube. So, like, if you were just regularly, like, opening your mail or whatever, it wouldn't look like that? No. Oh, no. No. You... But when it does, the whole screen changes, right? Not just mm-hmm. what you're looking at. That's really interesting. Well, it's, it's on every tab. Like, every, every tab I go to will be like that. No matter what I look at, my screen, whole screen's like that right now. Oh, wow. I'm going to look into that. Yeah, it's fucking weird. So, all right, well, let's uh, let's wrap it up. Thanks to everybody. Thanks to Kristen. Thanks to uh, Janetti. He, he left the show when Mark called in. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thanks to Mark. Thanks to all Mark fans. That was, that was awesome. That was good to get some calls yeah, in. Man. And gave away some drumsticks and... Yeah, yeah, that's that was great really because cool. you were like, I think we're going to give away one pair of drumsticks. I think by the end of the night, it's four. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and thanks to Susie, the burlesque magician. Yeah, check her out, man. She gets topless, dude. I want some videos. <laughs> and she gets topless. Uh, the, the one I saw in Vegas was like full nudity, too. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, and it was like she was saying, like Cirque du Soleil, like you, like they were naked, and that was cool. But also, the stuff that they were doing was really cool. Very cool. Yeah. Nice. All right, well, let's uh, let's wrap it up, and everybody will uh, next week. I don't, I don't have the, I have a possible guest for next week lined up. I'm waiting to hear a confirmation on stuff, but uh, I'm gonna reach out. We'll get Tony Chief Rock on here. Hopefully, we can get him on here next week, and uh, we'll do a booty countdown. And who on who's what else we'll have going on? So, um, yeah, there you go. Thanks to That's thanks awesome. to Nick, as always, and uh, until next week, everybody, stay driven. See ya.